Hello, hello, and welcome once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm Brian Vitale, and this might be somehow, surprisingly, the most exciting week we've had this calendar year so far. Uh, we'll have to see and deliver, deliberate on that at the end. To match the excitement, we've got an extra large cast here today. Let's go through them. I have George Foster. Hello, everyone. Josh Torres. That's grim, man. We're five months in. And it's like, ah, okay, finally, things are really exciting. <laughs> Adam Vitale. Hey, guys. James Galizio. And welcome hey. back, Chow Min Wu. Hello. So, yeah, we've got uh, a new Guilty Gear Strive beta going on right now. If you hear a cart, uh, arcade stick beatings in the background, just assume that Josh is playing it during the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely do that for sure. Like, ah, whatever you say. We've got Mass Effect going on. Uh, some people are still playing through Resident Evil, obviously. Uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis Beta just started yesterday. A few other exciting things. Uh, we have a couple new reviews up on the site, a couple new features. Uh, we have the new trailer for the Final Fantasy XIV upcoming Endwalker expansion. So a whole bunch of stuff. It's yeah. so good. I, uh, I don't know anything about the game, but I, I watched the, the very long CG trailer for it. And I'm like, man, this is hype. And I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> so All I remember watch- is the, the music was pretty cool. They said higher, higher a lot during the music. When they show the water city. Yeah. And, and then there's also just like this kind of communal excitement for it. Like I, everyone else is excited. So I want to be excited too, even though I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Maybe. They always tell us it's never too late to yeah, dig so in. So obviously, I don't really know what he's too busy. Well, it's too late for him right now because he's going to be busy with Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, that's uh, more on that later. That was that that was that really has nothing to do with like current events or new releases, but uh, was also a thing that happened yesterday. Uh, so I have no idea like how to how to peel this onion and pick something to talk about first. Um, you can go first. You seem to have a lot of things on this uh, Google Doc that we use. Uh, okay. I, I, I listed four things here that I had, I had done in the last seven days. The first two I'm going to nip in the bud pretty quickly. I talked on previous podcasts about Near Replicant, Remaster, and Saga Frontier. Well, I was able to basically put a pin in both of those games before the excitement of the weekend approached. I wanted to kind of like see the credits, go through all the storylines in Saga, see all the endings in Nier. So I managed to do that. I don't want to bog down like the podcast that is already probably going to be pretty packed by revisiting those uh, topics. My main takeaway is that I am really eager at some point to squeeze in another playthrough of Nier Automata because uh, now that I have like the proper context that seems like it's pretty much expected of you when you play that game, even though it is a little bit removed from the other game in the series, there's obviously enough connective tissue there where it feels like you really should play both. And I kind of played them in the improper order. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, A lot of the, I I complained last time a little bit about how that third playthrough drags on a bit, but obviously it ends on a high note with both the original final ending and then the new thing that they added for the remaster uh saga frontier i played through all the the fuse storylines 
which I thought were kind of like a nice curiosity, but I didn't really feel that strongly about them. By the end, I was just kind of like rattling through them. How it works in that game is that it's got eight playable characters, but the one they added for the remaster, Fuse, he just kind of rattles through everyone else's story with a few modifications. And they're usually like incredibly short. You could say he fuses all the storylines in his own route. Yeah. The thing is, is that his, his name is Fuse because he has like a short temper, not because of like connecting <laughs> things together. Uh, English. How does it work? But, uh, but uh, I, I didn't feel that strongly about it. Like by the time I was on like my fourth Fuse and fifth Fuse like story, I'm like, all right, I've seen this. I can blitz through this in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I just kind of, I was just kind of like clearing it out as if it were a chore and not a game. So maybe not feeling as strongly about that as you. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat there. I think it was just there just to like solve plot holes that they could explain back in the PlayStation. So yeah, and it's also a nice marketing buzz where it's like we added a playable character, even though it works differently and isn't quite as good as what preceded it. So, and then okay, so the other two games on my list are both MMOs, one very new and one pretty old. Uh, so on Friday yesterday, at the time of this recording, uh, I went ahead at some of the prodding of James and bought and downloaded the hot Final Fantasy MMO, Final oh, Fantasy oh. 11. Yeah, uh, finally, a good MMO. Yeah, I finally made time for it. Uh, and that, it took me like 90 minutes to install it properly because it has like the, the Square Enix, yeah, so the Square Enix account system so is already kind of a mess. It's better than it was like six, seven years ago, but it's still a bit cumbersome and then on top of that it's tied into like the vestiges of play online which yeah, some of it has been retired <laughs> and some some of it is like still around and some of it is retired it's a mess and then it's like you gotta connect the two accounts like retroactively and then go through this play online launcher which launches on your pc in like a 400 by 300 pixel window and keep in mind both uh both Brian and I have like 4K yeah. monitors, and using Windower turns off window scaling for <laughs> that window. Yeah, well, so. Windower is like a uh, a fan patch mod app thing that you run alongside Final Fantasy XI just to make it play a little bit nicer with modern PCs. So I spent about 60 minutes installing, like setting up Play Online, installing the client, downloading the game files, etc., getting Windower to work, all that. And then I logged into the game, spent about like 30 minutes putzing about figuring out how to play it because it, it does not have like modern conveniences that good modern MMOs have. <laughs> and also like I've always played MMOs on PC with mouse and keyboard and Final Fantasy uh, 11 obviously is also a PC game, but it really feels like it was designed for consoles and gamepads first, obviously being playable on PlayStation 2 and Xbox 360 at one point. So I'm having to get used to like you can use the mouse sort of to do some things, but it's not intuitive. It doesn't work like it's it's almost better to play it like remember old school PC games where you'd like uh, move with the arrow keys and do, interact like Doom originally didn't have mouse control yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That's that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, and just figuring out how to. So I want to put more time into Final Fantasy 11 and I don't want to talk about it a ton today because I didn't I've only put like an hour into it. I guess it's a but, funny thing to, to, to mention that purely coincidental on both of your parts, but like. It's the 19th anniversary of Final Fantasy XI as well today. Yeah, and it's... I guess the reason why I want to play it is just because I kind of just want to see, like, at the time I'd really been excited to play it, but I was a lot younger. I didn't have a good PC, or uh, I didn't have, like, 
whatever you needed to play it online on the PS2. Uh, so I kind of feel like finally I like I have the opportunity to do it now for no real specific reason. It's not like there's any anything external pushing me to play it, but I kind of want to just do it just to kind of like got this just just to kind of like scratch this curious itch that I have that that has been kind of lingering for a long while. Uh, so I'm probably not gonna like make it a main game that i'm going to put a ton of time into all at once but i'm going to keep like poking at it just like all right being yeah. an hour here an hour there Tri- trivia time yeah. uh, uh, how uh, to all of you how old was george when final fantasy 11 came out uh well 19 and jo- george is like what Three. 16 so <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't know when, when does it come out uh, he didn't well it's not it's a 19 year anniversary so it came out in 2002 oh, yeah i was three years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like how George is. George is just here to be the British guy the and the young guy. You're just doing two roles <laughs> on this guy. <laughs> all right, uh, all all with you know just all the love, endearingly. Uh, but I'm excited to just play something that isn't so convenient, is a bit obtuse, does require a little bit of handholding, like with online guides and whatever. Uh, for some reason, I, I'm I'm not turned away from that, but. Then I got distracted because as soon as I had um, Final Fantasy XI installed and ready to go and I had put a few hours into it, the beta for Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis kicked off. So I basically shifted gears from a 19-year-old game to the beta of a game releasing this year. And a lot of what I'm talking about here, I've overlapped a bit with James, who also poked at Final Fantasy XI and the uh, we played... A little bit of the uh, beta together and i'm planning like I, if i was not doing this podcast i'd probably be playing it right now um and it's the the, the first takeaway immediately that i have when i booted up the the new genesis beta and this is what i want to spend the majority of my my session here today talking about is that it's been a while since i've played like i i i've played uh Fantasy Star Online 2, this game, which obviously came out like eight years ago. Uh, A lot of the other MMOs in the market, like Elder Scrolls Online, Final Fantasy XIV, Guild Wars 2, and WoW, they're they're all like seven, eight years old or older. So playing something that that is like releasing with like modern engine rendering and modern, modern visuals and actually stresses the PC quite a bit, even if you've got a pretty high end one, it just looks gorgeous. Because I guess, like, just yesterday or just last week, I was playing this eight-year-old Fantasy Star Online 2 game that I had kind of, like, acclimated to. Like, oh, that's what the game looks like. It looks nice enough, I suppose. And then you play this modern rendering of it. And I'm sure it helps that literally the game you played before <laughs> we both started New Genesis was 2002. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally closing the Final Fantasy eleven and then booting up New Genesis, going from 2001 to 2021, or 2002 to 2021. Uh, quite, quite the, quite the leap. All right, so uh, set the stage for us. So, uh, like you know, when people when this was first announced, they shared details of like, oh, there's gonna be like a more open world feel to it, like you're exploring open fields, and like this, the this takes place like thousands of years after like the base PSO two game, story wise. So, what's like the big key differences here compared to uh, the old PSO two? So, first of all. The open world structure is similar to um, Breath of the Wild and Genshin Impact. Really? So, so, um, yes. So, uh, how about you take it away? Sorry, I don't want to talk over it. Take it away, James. 
Um, so one one of the most uh, well one of the major changes to the gameplay and the systems is that in regular PSO two you gain skill points by leveling up your character, and then you can use use them just simple stuff, just regular. I mean, it's like, a skill tree. Yeah. MMO, well, yeah, it's a skill tree. That's not how it works in New Genesis. The way it works is, is that you have these things dotted across the map called uh, cocoons and uh, towers that have challenges in them. And if you clear them, then you get, um, oh, sorry. Do I sound quiet? Uh, I just turned you up and you sound fine. Yeah, you're you're fine. Don't don't, don't, uh, mess with any of the settings. And I can turn you you up in post too. Okay, survives. Yeah, I had my mic gain down a bit, so uh, I guess because I was recording earlier. Sounds good. Um, let me put that up to 70. Yes. Is this better? All right. <clears throat> okay, so uh, where do you want me to... Uh, you can just start over talking about... Uh, uh, skill points. Cocoon, cocoons and towers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... The way you get skill points in New Genesis is that there's these um, things dot across the map, kind of like shrines in Breath of the Wild called cocoons and towers. And each of these has a challenge in them. The cocoons, it's going to be a short, like, two to three minute long challenge. The towers are going to be longer, like half an hour. And completing them, successfully clearing them, will get you skill points. Uh, regular cocoons will give you one, and towers will give you two, and that's how you get skill points to level up your classes. So it's not just by leveling; it's by exploring, finding these cocoons and towers. And it's almost them. like a a shrine. Yeah, the the, the, the <laughs> when you mentioned like what you do, like what do you do in these towers specifically? Is there like like mini challenges in them? It was literally like a gauntlet of platforming challenges um, finished with a boss, and it took us about 20 oh, minutes yeah, it's, to complete. Uh, some of them are, like, there was one cocoon. So cocoons are small and towers are big. That's how it, how the beta at least has it organized. The cocoon was like, here's a pretty simple platforming challenge, no combat. It's literally just, it grades you, like, how many times did you fall? How many times did you have to rely on the glide technique? And then there was there was a couple that was like defeat forty enemies in a quick time scale. Then a tower was a little bit more of a, an enemy rush followed by a boss fight. Uh, Are all of these single player per- challenges, or do you like do them in a group? You can do okay, them multiplayer. one to four players. As far as I can tell, though, it doesn't like scale up or down at all. So in some of the challenges, like if you're doing a boss fight, it helps you a lot to go in with a full party. Some of the ch- some of them, like the platforming challenge, it ends up being kind of pointless because like you could literally have like three players stand back and one player complete the challenge <laughs> and like carry you. Um, they're pretty simple. They're pretty easy. I don't want to like, I don't know how to judge difficulty in this beta. Cause I don't know how anything's tuned compared to like the final game. Uh, but the main thing about them is that they give you like these little optional side objectives, like do this without being incapacitated so many times or do this un- under uh, a time limit. And what we found is that, they're usually like really generous. Like this tower, it said, beat this in under 20 minutes, I believe. And we we took our time. We 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 lagged and we were pretty damn slow. And we did we did it in like 16 minutes still, or maybe 18 minutes. So they they kind of scaled it so that it's pretty easy to come in under the 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 rubric, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, more generally, so so yeah, one major component of New Genesis is that it has kind of like this shrine system on the overworld, which I think actually works pretty well, especially if the variety and the challenge is upticked a bit. Uh, it's hard to judge on a beta. Um, compared to the base game, I've always compared, well, always, since I started playing it last year when it released, uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 is more of a hub-based game. I've seen it compared a lot to Monster Hunter, which is pretty apt. It's not it's not a perfect comparison, but it's it's a good enough like heuristic. Uh, and then Fantasy Star Online 2 basically leans back from that a bit and leans back towards more of a traditional MMO setup. So you'll you'll be in the central city, which has like a population cap of I think like I think it's higher than the, than the zone around it. I'm not sure. And then when you cross the uh, threshold to go to like the field area, it'll automatically put you into like a bunch of different like you can call them instances or or blocks is the fantasy star term where it kind of like populates it in different like dis discrete servers instances yeah, that's, and that's part of the distinction that you that you mentioned so unlike pso2 because pso2 you're at all like your hub space is like in a space station while this one mm -hmm. is you're actually on the ground on like a planet and then your hub is yeah. like now this like city like comparable to like neo la and xenoblade x so like you're you yeah, you literally walk in and out of it just seamlessly. In fact, you can hop over the side of the walls too to get out onto the field. You don't have to go through the gates. If you okay, don't and, want and, to. and and they they do because I was watching your guys' stream uh, when you were streaming it uh, on the Discord Snapchat, um, and I think the Sega the Sega team really um, made a cool uh, visual like indication of like when you're phasing in and out of like an instance where they have like this transparent wall that you're uh, crossing through when I mean, you get outside of the the city like there's like this barrier that you yeah it's like a semi-transparent force field it does like there is a little bit of loading so it's not 110 percent seamless but it is seamless where it's like you don't have to reach like a transition point like james said you could literally just like hop over the wall and it's just kind of like drawn on the map and so like it is it's kind of like it's not completely open world it is segmented into zones but the zones there are like and, and if if there is a boundary between the two zones you can walk through it you don't have to find like a portal or a gateway or anything like that mm. um and then so the main difference compared to the base game is in the base game you'd be on your hub ship is where you would interact with all the players you'd have to form like a party or go to the gateway ship which is kind of like how you transition to the playable zones and join a party in progress uh where here it's like it is impossible to play 100% alone. You can, even if you're not in a party, if you walk out into the field, you're going to see anywhere from a few to 32, I think, is the top, or I guess 31 other players, uh, just organically, just kind of naturally. Um, so it's just more like an MMO now, more than before. Yeah, it's not 100% of the way there, but it's pretty damn close. Um, and then the one of the things that Fantasy Star Online 2 did is when you're when you're on like these maps that, that are more like a series of interconnected hallways you might run into these things called emergency trials where a, a boss shows up or, or a mob of enemies or sometimes it's a little bit more elaborate like a downed ship you have to protect where they still use the same conceit here only they they play more like uh final fantasy 14 fates or guild wars 2 dynamic events where like it'll be like there's a boss here. You do you want to go help the other players fighting it? And you don't have to be in a party with them. You just need to be in the same area of the map. And anyone who helps damage the boss will get. It's got like a lot of the modern MMO convenience where there is no kill stealing. There is no like need or greed. It's just everyone will get kind of like 
an automatic item or, or money drop for for defeating the boss or is it one of those things like as long as you get like a hit on like an enemy uh, uh, you'll still get credit it, i think it might even be more generous than that there were some where i was just like nearby like just minding my own business and it's like trial succeeded here's some money but wait i didn't do anything huh. <laughs> so it, it is uh it is pretty uh generous and i guess for anyone who's played fantasy star online 2 one of its criticisms is that its itemization and it's like crafting setup is really convoluted some people get really into it and it makes sense like once you study it but it is obtuse it is kind of unforgiving and i'm talking about like enhancing weapons and augments and i think based on what they've shown in the beta they've pared it down enough where it's like okay this is actually a system i want to engage with now without making it like trivial so how the how the original game worked is that you would have like certain items with augments on them. Like let's say, let's say I use swords and I have one sword that I want to wield and two swords that I find in the field and they've got augments on them. You kind of have to go through this convoluted like transmuting system where it's like you have a percentage chance of combining all these augments onto one weapon. Only some augments transfer easily, like with a high, high rate of success. Some are incredibly complicated with a low rate of success. Here, how it seems to work is that all the augment drops are basically capsules. They're items in your inventory. Like I have a capsule for might one, and augment is like a like a talent, like a like a stat buff. And you just go to like the the one one vendor where it's like you you can use this one place to enhance your weapons and augments. And I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but it is it's straightforward. It's simple. It still like requires you to get some resources out in the field. Like I had to go back and say like, oh, I specifically need more of this item. Let me go out and do some trials and get it. So it's not like it comes free, but it just makes a lot more sense. It's it's like I don't have to have like these uh, some of some of the fan tools that have emerged over the years for like augment calculators and like macros that have creeped up for Fantasy Star Online 2 kind of show like how stupidly involved it was. And I had some fun messing with it over the last year and trying to get like the perfect synthesis, but I'm I'm kind of glad that it seems like that's a thing of the past. So, so uh, in the terms of disclosed beta, like what kind of uh, classes or jobs does it have compared to the base game? Is it like just the only the base classes, no advanced stuff yet in it? Yeah, it's so this is hard to judge as someone who only played the global release, but when when the global release showed up last year, finally. It showed up with episodes one through three. So it had some post-release classes for the Japanese side that were release classes for the global side, such as like Braver, Bouncer, and Summoner. Where in New Genesis, I think they've gone to just the basic six classes. It's like Fighter, Hunter, Ranger, Gunner, Horse Tector. And it's kind of like when you when you kind of draw the line to like the standard fantasy analogs, it's like you know, warrior, ranger, mage, healer, sort of thing. Like they're they're pretty, pretty well worn archetypes. Well, so, what, what classes are you uh, both playing? I was playing the force, which is basically a mage, like cast cast spells. And I was playing the fighter because my uh, beloved bouncer <laughs> is not in. Uh, that so, yeah, so this is great because now you can like. I want to hear like how does like combat feel both for melee and range compared to the base game. The. The, in, in general, movement is a lot faster, and because the the zone, which makes sense, it kind of fits into the design of the game because the zones are more open. They're a lot more vertical, so you can like 
you can double jump in the original game, but you jump a lot higher. You can float and glide. You can sprint a lot faster. Um, you can cast everything like while moving. I'll, I'll be ahead. real with you. I'll I'll be real with you. This uh, feels like uh, normal to me as a bouncer <laughs> main. Yeah. So I guess I I played Force in the original base game, and it's not like super stiff, but it's just a it's just a, t- a notch slower. You can't you can't move quite as quickly. There's more spells that like root you in place or, or limit how fast you can move. We're here. It's a lot more fluid. Uh, there's there's a lot more. It's just it's just a lot more active in general. Does it still have the that one... system in uh, PSO two? Where I'm trying to remember the exact word for it, but like there's like a time thing where like you're like say you're a gunner and you have to like okay I forgot. No. What yeah, there are there are there are no perfect attacks. We're basically right. it kind of which I actually kind of like that in principle because how that worked was. You didn't. If you wanted to swing your weapon, you would have to like. Do, if you wanted to do it most effectively, you'd have to do it with like a proper cadence. You couldn't just go like click, 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 click. Almost uh, like Witcher One in a sense. Yeah, kind of. If you played that with a mouse, um, for all of you that played Witcher One. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so so they took that out. There is still a little bit with like charging spells, and if you want, like for for me playing as a force, you kind of want to let go of the spell the moment it charges just to try to like get get the most dps or whatever if you let go of it too soon it won't be fully charged and it will be a different effect some of the spells actually have a slightly different effect fully charged and not which is actually kind of cool like the, the basic fireball if you don't charge it will fire forward as a projectile if you charge it all the way it explodes right on the enemy so you don't need to have like perfect line of sight so this is so there's some cool like wriggles like that and it feels great it looks it looks gratifying too like when we were when we were talking about it uh on your on your stream like just even like the the early game like you know spells or the abilities for the melee classes like like they just look beautiful like they're, it's like they're they're over the top but not like crazy it, it makes you wonder like i wonder what the advanced like spells will look like because already just off from the get-go like these basic lightning and fire and ice spells like they have they just look awesome like they just right like you you fire a lightning bolt into like a field of of grass or or like foliage and it all like billows away from where it lands on the ground it's pretty pretty cool mm-hmm. the the main drawback right now of the beta and again i'm trying not to judge it too much because who knows what it's going to be balanced like in the main game is that i feel like you know we're doing a trial and it's like five levels below anyone around it but they still have a ton of health it just feels a little bit spongy and spammy where it's like okay i me and this group of eight people that happen to be around are all fighting like this gorilla type rock monster and he's a lower level than most of us i know how to fight him i've learned his attacks and now i just kind of have to spam the spells until he dies and then there's some like veteran creatures where it's like, all right, this is the same creatures before. They deal a little bit more damage, only they have like three times the amount of health. It just mm. feels like some things take... So the action combat is fast and fluid, but then sometimes I just feel like it doesn't match quite with the pace of the of the fighting, or it just seems like battles drag on a bit. Like, okay, this guy's weak to ice. I've got my two ice spells. His weak point is behind his neck. I, I, I've learned how this fight works. I've been fighting him for three minutes. Is it over yet? Sort of thing. And it feels like I'm impatient, maybe, but I just feel like some of the enemies, their their animations and their attacks are pretty simple, but then they have like the health pool of like a raid boss or something, or it just feels like they I think they could I think they could have like maybe dialed down how dangerous sorry, dialed up how dangerous they are and di- dialed down their health. So make them more aggressive in, in exchange for you know a, a lower health pool. Yeah, something like that I think would be nice tweaks. It's not it's not like 
a deal breaker. It's just something where it's like a little of the fights drag on a little bit much. Yeah, it's so. I, I imagine it's still work in development. See, like I imagine they'll like release a survey and say, hey, what do you think? And then uh whatnot. Uh for people who are either are currently still playing PSO2 or have played PSO2, the, in this closed beta, were you able to transfer over your character from PSO2 to new this new Genesis beta? Um uh, no, you're not able to transfer them over yet. Uh, one thing I actually want to say that kind of stood out to me is that there's a very like big disparity between the um, legacy um, equipment and visuals and the new okay. ones. And it, to the point where I don't really see the point of so, using the old stuff because it, like especially the hairstyles you look at them like the old hairstyles oh, are so blocky in comparison whereas the new ones are like much higher fidelity when you just, talk about, i don't think i've really saw anyone actually using the legacy hair when you talk about legacy stuff that that's offered the beta so like is this all like uh do they do these all appear like in the character creation it's like oh these like hairstyles were from the like original game but that they don't tell you they're from the original game, but the icon is pixelated versus the new Genesis icons, huh. which are not. How do you how do you feel about the character customization in this game compared to the old one? Like, does it feel, does it feel flexible or like because PSO two is already really it's, good with its character customization? So yeah, is it like even more? Um, it's basically it's basically built on top of the existing uh, character creation, which makes sense because again, I'm pretty sure pso2 already had maybe the most in-depth character yeah it's still even still to this day it seems like i i guess one of the big changes to that was they allowed you to like equip more accessories to your character i believe yeah it's in the base game uh it's four accessories and now it's like eight or twelve and accessories are anything from like necklaces to hats to wings whatever um and not only that but Every, for every single accessory that you place, you can like change its position on your XYZ axis. You can change its rotation. You can change its size. You can change its color. Uh, so people had already done this in like odd ways in the original game where like they'll get an accessory that's like blowing a bubblegum bubble. And then they'll put it like the people will do silly and stupid stuff. Like they'll put it on their head or on their eye instead of on their mouth. Or, or like they'll get like something that's supposed to be like a rabbit shitting on your shoulder. They'll put one on each shoulder because they can move it around, or they'll Hell make one yeah. facing backwards on their head, or things like that. Um, there should so, be like a, like a T pose emote, and then you have when you extend your shoulders, there's just rabbits. Well, well the, some people do really stupid stuff. Like they'll make their character really short, and then they'll make like this fish accessory. It literally looks like a marlin, really big. And then, uh, and then they'll like cover their whole body with it, so they just look like a school of marlins, like skirting across <laughs> the ground. And then they'll put like a hat on it, or it's you can get really stupid, but it's kind of like the charm of the game, I suppose. And so people will now be able to make like a school of twelve marlins swimming across the ground for no reason. Um, and then for the character creator, you have to pick a class, and this is or sorry, not class, race. And the races are the same as the uh, original game, only they've removed any stat considerations. It used to be that Newmans were slightly better at magic and casts, which are like the robot right, race, right, were slightly right. more physical and with more HP. They've removed all that, so it's all purely cool. cosmetic. Yeah, and not only that, but like you can pick like a male body type, but then pick like a female torso or outfit or if you don't pick a cast you can still pick some cast body parts okay so like even picking a race doesn't really lock you out of that much or if anything 
so it's pretty damn open uh and you and you can do like male body type female voice or typically and they don't even avoid they avoid even using male female they just say like type a type b or whatever so it's it's pretty open you can kind of do you know sky's the limit sort of thing of cool. uh, you know there's like a modern mmo coming out this year how taxing it is is it on your computers right now so james and i both have pretty top of the line computers his a little bit more than mine and I would say generally we had a good well, time. There are when a lot of characters are on screen, like you're fighting a trial and there's like 20 players around. It does chug quite a bit. You guys are uh, but in the city, up 4K 60, like, right? Or just 4K yeah. in general. Yeah, for well, I did have it like uh, unlocked frame rate for a bit, but then I realized no, it's like hardly ever going above 60 FPS at max settings. I'll just cap it at 60. Um, I feel like I should stress to people listening, we it's not just pretty top of the line like brian has a 3090 i have a 6900 xt so that <laughs> yeah. is top of the well, line well i'm okay with that because if this game is right. going to have a several year long uh tail like let's say it lasts eight years like the base game then obviously within four years it like modern hardware at that point will be better suited to handle it uh cool. i don't i wish i wish i could be more yeah. like I, i've heard a lot of people who are trying to play it the 1080p or 1440 having a lot of issues with like server lag and top of like frame lag because it doesn't perform that well. So it sounds like it's a bit uneven, but leaning better than worse. Yeah, it's, so. it's a closed beta, you know, so hopefully more yeah. optimizations are on the way in, in the final release as well. But it's, I, th I think the big takeaway is you're going to have to either have a next generation Xbox, de Xbox device or a pretty beefy computer to get somewhat good performance out of this unless you just want to try to dial everything to low and hope for the best if you have a data yeah, issue. I, I, I think the best way to solve this from my un, from my ignorant uninformed point of view is that if there was like a setting to like call or limit how many other player models you saw that's when it really chugs when the game is trying to render like 20 other people all casting spells and abilities so if there was a way to just say like only show me the people in my party or, or something like that um but yeah it's i for if you're not interested in Fantasy Star Online 2, sorry for going on so long about it, but I guess I don't usually, um, like usually whenever a beta tells me that there is no carryover, I usually like dip my toes in. I'm like, all right, I've seen it. I've had enough. That's kind of how I felt. It's a different style of game, but with Baldur's Gate 3, I played through the beta once or the early access once, but since there's no carryover on that, I'm like, all right, I've seen enough. I don't want to play anymore. Where this game, I'm enjoying it enough where I'm like, you know what? I, I want to, I'd rather be doing, rather be doing that right now instead of the podcast. Uh, that's only half true, but I'm it, it, yeah, it, it looks like I uh, can't be stressed over. Like, it looks gorgeous, it's a very visually impressive game. When I was watching their streams, even I was like, wow, these environments are really cool. Like, I, I like, I, I like one of the big show, like early showcases of the like, uh, the, the visuals in this game is you're you're like in this like night, uh, forest at night, and then there's like uh, sakura trees uh, spread around the map, and then you're fighting this like big beast creature with kind of like kind of like tentacle hair uh flowing through through its head and then like when it glows in the dark as it's about to attack you and then you're like right by uh you're fighting like in this spring and then you see the reflections reflect off of that light that it's uh coming off of it it's like wow that's that's crazy that looks really really good and the, the particle effects are nice like the most obvious one is whenever you sprint like there's these blue like you're sprinting with like jet boots like there's these blue particles they look like sprinklers behind your heels. <laughs> yeah uh and then like if you fire a fireball there's like a little bit of global illumination that it'll like light up anything that it travels past uh -huh. so it looks it, it just looks nice uh 
which I, comparing com- a lot of stuff in the original game, obviously it had to run on Vita at some point. So it doesn't always look that nice. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see because by all accounts, just like if you separate it from the main as a Fantasy Star Online 2, like it, to, to me, this like this is the be- next big step for just Fantasy Star Online in general. If they could go, they could have called this Fantasy Star Online 3, and I'd be like, I would have believed it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's so I I have never played yeah. another Fantasy Star game, and I saw some people asking like, does this go back to the roots of the original like single player Fantasy Star, uh, or is it like? 110 percent anime still and uh it's still 110 percent anime my i have a group of friends that endearingly call it weebs in space <laughs> but, <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is still weebs in space this is weebs in space too so uh, if you don't like the tone or the or the art style of the original game this is just that at a higher at a higher there's, level there, there's a lot of the original games have art style too i mean in the genesis you can actually see the anime drawings of the character yeah i think i think some people like you know who enjoyed the past games like they like the more grounded feel of it like uh, like you gotta admit like psl2 really ramped it up especially when they tried to do like a a tie-in in one of the episodes of the but the current anime and whatnot it's just it kind of got out there but you know i'm really excited to see like the potential of this game like what what will this game look like? Like you know, later down the line, and like higher levels, what the encounters look like, and just it's 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 cool. It's really cool. I'm really glad that um, Sega's really committed to Fantasy Star Online right now. And it's like it'll be interesting to see something like when it actually gets into something that has some real challenge to it, because everything right now is pretty casual and bite sized. Which is yeah. fine. Like that's exactly what the beta should be. Yeah, there's like the like the level cap is like a ten right now, right, or something like that. Fifteen, but yeah, okay. it's been really exciting. Uh, I've, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm looking like I'm already kind of like, geez, when is this game coming out? Because I'll have to like uh, set aside some time. It'll be so, weird to play through uh, this not at the rapid, condensed pace of the global Fantasy Star Online two, which had to fit like eight years of stuff into one or seven years of stuff into one. So. <laughs> That's still insane to me, man. That's uh, yeah. God bless your soul and all the people who were able to somewhat keep up with that uh, last year. James, do you have any final thoughts on the new Genesis beta? Um, not much really. I mean, there's so little content to actually like go through. Like, uh, we basically did the majority of it last night. Uh, it's fun. I do wonder exactly how much content is going to be available in the game True. when it launches, because there is like a decent amount of the map that's like kind of blocked off from you already, but you can't exactly zoom it out. So I don't know how much of the map that's visible we can actually go to if there's anything outside the map right now that we're going to be able to visit or whatnot. Um, I I don't know. And what's the end game going to be like? It. I'm not exactly complaining because it's still probably going to be like 50 plus hours of content at launch, which is perfectly fine for me. But I'm sure for people that have been playing PSO2, which has a metric ton of content, it's going to be a bit of a. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a cold. Well, a spot, what's the best way? It'll be a bit. Of, it's going to be something yeah. to get used to. How long does this uh, closed beta last? Like when does when's the end date for it? It's like tomorrow afternoon at the time of recording. I, so if you're listening yeah. to this, you're, it's probably already closed, sadly, unless you're like listening to it as soon as it goes up. So yeah, it started on Friday, North American evening to Sunday, North American evening. So cool. 
yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I really need to get a better video card. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what it looked like. That's what it's that's the main like. takeaway. Yeah, I need to get a new video card, and somehow I'm gonna have to try to find one. All right, let's change gears because another game anticipated title had a beta access period this weekend. So, Josh, tell me about the second time you've been able to dip your toes into Guilty Gear Strive. Yeah, um, they did another one uh, after they announced the delay a few months back uh, due to the feedback of the last open beta. They wanted to delay it to work more on their online lobbies because, you know, people have been very um, down on the state of the Guilty Gear Strive online lobby situation, you know, with a a weird Habo Hotel-esque, like, you know, art style and then, like, the way that it functioned wasn't really great. Um, This is... You we got a new look into the updated online lobby system. They still they're still carrying on with that like aesthetic, um, but the main like change from it uh, right now is they've kind of reverted the the structure back to how it was in Guilty Gear Exerd, the the previous Guilty Gear game, and how it worked was for anyone who played either that game or even played like uh, Blaze Blue Tag or um, Dragon Ball Fighters, like in that in those games you had like this little chibi avatar that would uh go around in 3d spaces and then there would be these arcade cabinets that they sit down in and then they wait for other people to sit down at the other arcade cabinet and they fight so that's the way it is in uh strive now where you still have these uh rooms that you go in that still like you still operate them from two from 2d left to right with this hobo hotel aesthetic but now there are like these dual stations littered around all these uh rooms they're kind of like uh, poles with like uh, like a table uh, on them, and then so you would uh, access one of them, and then you would wait for someone else to access the other end of it, and then you guys would fight. Uh, previously, it was just like, oh, take out your weapon on this uh, create a uh, create a character that your avatar that you made, and then another person would just go up to you and take out their weapon, then you guys would fight, and they could do it anywhere. And it's like it was a real mess. So this is a little bit better structured. Than that it's still not aesthetically pleasing um but it's still and it's still prone to failure because like you know it's a it's a public open beta that anyone um could you know uh download so they still have like network issues here and there but it's overall somewhat more smooth than the last uh open beta the they added a rematch button uh after uh, fights now you can uh play up to three like a total of three times against the same opponent uh win or lose now, so that really helps get uh, get games going and more consistently and whatnot. So that's you know the the big change. Obviously, there are the uh, a lot of the balance uh, has been changed. Uh, there's a, just a big damage nerf to everyone all across the board, and there's like not a lot of crazy like eighty percent life bar combos like in uh, the the last open beta. So a lot of uh, characters have had to like readjust their game plan. There are some, you know. A lot of people's uh, combos have been changed. The properties of their moves have been changed in a way that, like, it, it feels less flexible the, than the last one. But well, you know, there's still uh, a beta in a beta state. The final release isn't out for like four to five weeks uh, as of this recording, so it's hard. It's hard to really say where things are gonna fall once the final release um, goes. But you know, I the the. They also allowed uh, people to play Anji and Eno now in this beta. So this is the first time people have got their hands on them uh, after they've been announced. 
Uh, it seems like at the moment, uh, Eno uh, seems to be a pretty good character uh, from where she's at right now. Eno's the the witch with a with a awesome big red witch hat and uses a guitar as a weapon, and it's uh, she has all that good stuff. Um, Anji right now is in a really weird position. Uh, I, I know, but George and I, George was asking, is like, what happened to Anji? Like, yeah, Anji is a character uh, who's been in past Guilty Gear games. The last time you saw him was in Accent Core plus R and whatnot. So it's been quite a while since we've seen Anji in the new Guilty Gear game. He's uh, he has glasses. He has a he has two fans that he uses as a weapon, and a lot of uh, his game plan is he has like these um, these moves where he has guard points where like he'll do the move, and if you attack him during that move. He'll like guard point through it, and then like he can like uh, in theory, you know, damage you out for punishing uh, or punish you from like doing that attack and hitting that guard point. Um, and the the other big thing about him, he has this move called Fujin, and Fujin is basically he thrusts his uh, fans forward like in a in front of him, and off of that move, he has four different follow ups. He can either uh, jump into the air and like uh, throw down projectiles, or he can do a, a little hop move forward, or um, he can do a, a low sweep, or he can do an overhead attack with his fans after it. In the in the previous games, George, uh, like when he was in the uh, Accent Core, this Fujin uh, attack when he thrusts his fans forward, uh, even if it whiffed the opponent, even if it didn't hit the opponent, you could still do the follow-ups after it. Um, right, right. It, 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 uh, in Strive, that Fujin has to hit in order to do the follow-ups. You can't just do the follow-ups freely now. You, you, right, that Fujin okay. has to hit the opponent, whether they block or not. But that's that's kind of the big thing that you know Anji players miss. And like you know, he feels very I don't know. He's in a weird state right now. But it's hard to say. It's hard to judge where where he's gonna be. Like you know, in the final release or launch date of this game. So right now, like. Uh, Anji is like bo- both Anji, you know, look visually great, but you know, Eno right now out of the out of them too seems to be the big winner because she kind of got to keep a lot of her tools, uh, which are a nightmare to deal with. I'm still I'm still playing Nagori Yuki, the one of the new characters in Strive, along with you know Giovanna, but um, I've been kind of uh, learning more and more about how what that changed with him and not a lot a lot has changed with him actually, but you know. Um, I've done well enough in the beta, even though the beta has only been up for like a day and a half. Like last night, I got to the celestial floor, which is the best of the best. Ah. Uh, that's right. So, uh, how long wait, did you how long did you keep that? Well, jo- well, Josh, are you still in the celestial uh, floor know. now? Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what floor are you on right now? I think nine at the moment, but I got up to the celestial floor. I got up there. I was thinking about just never touching the beta again after getting there. <laughs> yeah, you flew too much. <laughs> All right. To, I got up. So what do you think, Shao? Should we believe him? I have, I have photo evidence. I, I, I did it. Um, what is it? They haven't announced Johnny yet. For that, they, no, J- Johnny's not in the launch roster of uh, Strive. Maybe in the DLC pass, they haven't... Uh, um, Showing off any of the characters as DLC. Where's Sin? Give me yeah. Sin. That's oh, all I want. Yeah, but Guilty Gear game. Johnny is always the broken god tier character that will destroy any opponent. Like it was. No. Look, that's only because the Guilty Gear God um, is a Johnny man. That's true. Yeah. 
every no, even in Action Core, it's Johnny is still yeah, got Johnny, to. Johnny, Johnny's pretty good. It doesn't matter what. There's there's been there's been versions of Guilty Gear that Johnny wasn't like the greatest, but he's still like. Well, maybe maybe um, was it Zato? Um, Eddie. Eddie, yeah, it's weird. But, like uh, Zato's like not that great in this beta, to be honest. It doesn't seem like it, at least, but. We'll see. I don't know. Who knows how the final re- release will will shape up? Is just with the gameplay changes, I guess. I mean, in the old one, he's always like the character that has all the trap setups, and once you get everything set up, man, you you're, you're, you're talking about, about Testament, about it, right? man. Fuck Testament. <laughs> but who knows? Is Kai yeah. still like really basic? Yeah, Kai's still. Oh, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's probably yes. one of the most, most consistent like Guilty Gear characters. He still has like most of his tools. He's this uh, plan is fairly straightforward. Learning him is relatively simple, so yeah, Kai's still a solid character all around. I, I think yeah. the I think the threats of this um, beta at the moment are, I think uh, Eno is, is pretty really good. Um, May is just really annoying to fight against. She she has a lot of really really. It's kind of weird. Like even though her damage was nerfed, she still has a lot of her nasty like setups and whatnot. It's not ugh, it's so annoying. I, I I think Soul is also in a really He's quote unquote in a good spot. He's he's a solid character, but like his game plan is so basic at the moment. Like mm. it's kind of he's, he's, he's solid. Like there were there are definitely more interesting iterations of Soul uh, in the past compared to this beta. He's he's too straightforward, I think. But I'm still having PTSDs from fighting Order Soul from Axon Core, like the super uh, boss yeah. at the end when you fight. Order would be cool. <laughs> Order Soul would be cool, but like his like the, his game plan would be very weird for for Strive's uh, engine because uh, for people who don't know, Order Soul is basically a separate version of Soul. It's not. It's kind of like Evil Ryu, but not really. Uh, but Young Goku, yeah. It, basically, when he was still working right. for the Order, and so he has like a different outfit yeah. and a different move set, and they made him the final boss in one of the game as like a. Not like a final boss, but like a secret final boss. If you play the whole game without continuing, yeah, like, he's oh, like this is true. Yeah, he's a younger iteration of Soul, and like his his whole mechanic was like he has these charge levels. He can go try, like he can actually like go to like power up like Dragon Ball style to like charge level one, charge level two, charge level Ultimate three. Go home. And then like uh, the uh, he uh, a lot of his moves consume this charge meter. So like obviously the more resources you have, the better his uh, offensive. Uh, assault will be because he, now he has a lot of this meter to like uh, expand for his uh, for his assault. So you know, uh, like Order Soul would be it'd be kind of interesting to see him here, but I don't know. I have no idea who I'd want in uh, in. I think people want like new characters. They don't want like kind of like costume swap characters. That's Sin. Sin, want. Sin is weird because Nagori Yuki is basically reverse Sin, except I don't know. He feels harder to to control. Give, give me normal Sin. Well, I always been a a May main and a Dizzy main in Guilty Gear. Well, you're series, you're so. uh, no, you should rejoice then. May is really fucking good right now, but. I haven't touched the beta yet, so but I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, I, I kind of want to see. I don't know, maybe justice. I, I don't like the beta test uh, fighting games. I mean, you get like a feel for the character, but it's like once the real game comes out, your character plays nothing like. The well, beta, I mean, right? like a lot so... of concepts still apply, right? Like when you're like when I'm talking about like Nagoriyuki from the previous open beta to this open beta, like a lot of his like routes that I'm doing are still 
fundamentally the same, but the but my my game plan and what I choose to combo into is sort of different now. But like learning that muscle memory and like getting a familiarity of like this play style, like for me, like I think I'm better equipped to like you know understand what his like final iteration will be at the launch date of Strive. You know, it's not like it's not like oh my gosh, what am I doing with this brand new character? It's like oh okay, I know I know how his mechanics work. I I I know like what goes into what generally and whether those things will change like create like in a crazy fashion. I I don't know, but I can't imagine it'll be too too different you know like for a lot of the right changes for me is like oh this certain move it like its damage is way way nerf like it doesn't do that much damage anymore but it has like these different properties attached to it like it's more practical now in uh most situations or like uh this uh this move like uh, i can only combo for this move now and if, if i counter the opponent's attack so it's like okay now i just have to think about uh pushing out this move in 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 like opposition to whatever they're gonna throw out you know, so it's not like it's not like something that's foreign to me. It's like it's just adjusting my game plan here and there. So when does this game uh, release? June, you know? yeah. Oh, like, so pretty soon. Same like, as uh, Rift Apart, I believe. Was it June eleventh? I, I forgot the exact date already. I think so. Well, maybe it's later. It's, it's definitely June though. Yeah, unless, unless they unless they decide to delay it again after survey results. No, for <laughs> who knows who knows i i it's gonna be i have no idea where the survey results are gonna be for this for this open beta besides like your online lobby is still bad <laughs> so we're 50 minutes in and we've talked about two games really very good par for the course two games that aren't <laughs> yeah even two out betas yet. of games uh i guess we'll just go uh with george so you haven't been Partake. You do played the last Guilty Gear beta, but you haven't played this one yet. Uh, no, I haven't had the time yet. So, uh, what have you been playing in the last seven days? Uh, so, I think I'll start with the more exciting one. Um, so, I, well, we were given a chance to play a couple of hours of Scarlet Nexus for a preview. Um, and even though I wasn't interested in it before, like it was like completely it wasn't something i was going to play i hadn't watched many of the trailers i'd I'd completely written off to be honest um i went ahead and did the preview uh and it like completely changed my mind um i i it's it's difficult to explain why but i I don't know just i I guess just getting so scarlet nexus is the abandoned amco game from the god eater team that was originally unveiled, I believe, E3 2019 on the Microsoft stage. No, 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 no. It was unveiled not that long ago, really. I believe it was like last May when Xbox had some event. Oh, the next channel. Yeah, that was it. Oh, I'm I'm confusing my Microsoft events. All right. I think you're thinking of Tales of Arise. Okay, yeah. For some reason, they keep like they keep inviting these big anime properties onto their stage but they're from they end up being multi-platform okay yeah but uh i feel like when it was first announced it was kind of like not a ton of excitement for it but then they've kind of like shifted their marketing a bit they've introduced a new playable character they've really kind of tried to nail down like the interest the interesting premise and all that and obviously given us the opportunity to preview it hands-on even uh when in in the recent years it's always been hands-off previews which end up being kind of like couldn't this just be a trailer (laughs) or whatever uh so if I don't know anything about this game, because I know very little, like what, what is Scarlet Nexus? 
Uh, so we, we were having a discussion before the podcast, actually. I find, I've found it difficult to sum it up, but Josh and Adam both said that brain punk is a very good way <laughs> to describe it. That, that's their worst, um, not ours. I was to say, like, did we call it? It works, though. It works. But this is what's so weird for me. Usually when I'm, like, interested in a game, like, even the slightest, I'll try and find out, like, as much about it but with Scarlet Nexus, I went in like completely blind. Um, but I guess the gist of it is that you play as either Yuito or Kasane, um, and they are uh, like literally on their first day of being OSF soldiers. Um, and OS- OSF soldiers are like they're like soldiers that use like psychological powers uh, to defeat these creatures known as the Others. Um, like, like, and it's set in, like, 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 like the the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, you, both of the main characters have the same um, abilities. They both have psychokinesis, so they're both like... I would call it telekinesis, weirdly. Like I, I kept thinking this when I was writing it up. I was like, no, I, I would call this telekinesis, but, you know, whatever. Um, and, yeah, through situations that I won't go into, like, for spoilers, they kind of... They run into each other um, on their first day, and they're, like, instantly kind of, like like, almost connected in a way. Um, I feel like that's going to be one of the main threads um, because Yuito, Yuito's reason for joining the OSF is that he was saved by someone from the OSF that looks like Kasane. So he sees her and he's like, uh, you look familiar. Like, you know, who are you? Um, and that's like the main mystery so far. Uh, and the rest of it, this is what pleasantly surprised me. The rest of it is like really, really comfortable. Like it feels in my preview, um, which you can check out on the site. I said that it feels like an anime that's like already like started. It feels like it's like a really developed world, um, which is really ironic of... because there's a because there's actually going to be a TV anime for this game starting on like July first, and I, I'm going to watch it. Like from from the game, like it it seems like it fit perfectly. So like one thing that I like is uh, when you go into a game and the world has its rules. Like it's already set. Like you feel like you're going into something that already exists. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into Scarlet Nexus, I could tell like a lot of time has been put into how this world actually works. Like these characters feel like you know they don't just feel like blank slates. They don't just feel like they're here and like they're you're only they're only just existing. Like they feel like they have a history to them, and all of the characters just like meld really well together. Like they, they it's like it's surprisingly jokey as well. Like there's a really charming tone to like about eighty percent of it. Like they're all getting on. They're all quite funny. Um, I think one of my main misconceptions and why I wasn't interested in the game at all was it reminded me so much of, uh, was it Code Nexus? Is that the one? Code Vein, I think. Code Vein, that's it. <laughs> Obviously not well, Code it's, Nexus. It's the same, uh, isn't it the same group making that? Because that's the same team, I think. I think Obviously, so. I don't know, like, I, like really these teams that, aren't, don't have, yeah, these teams don't have rigid boundaries, so like, but I assume there's a little it, bit it does, of it, it, yeah, yeah, but it has some, yeah, some common talent behind it. Yeah, so I played Code Vein, and I I really didn't like it like at all. It really, like I like the graphics, but the game itself I just did not gel with at all. I didn't think it was a good like Souls like at all. I just I didn't really like it. I don't know if any of you have played it. Um, have any strong opinion? Yeah, I yeah, played it, it pre-release and hey, I've played a <laughs> couple of hours. It, I yeah. So I also played it pre-release. Um. At, I think most of us played a bit of it at like E3, like 20, 18, maybe 17. 18, I don't remember. 
because yeah, it, it went on hiatus for a bit. So I, like, how long was the hiatus? I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, I played it and I hated it, so I never bought it. Like, yeah, there's like, like, like that wasn't any good. Uh, <laughs> if you like, if you liked Code Vein, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just didn't. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> the the full game is a lot better than that. Like preview demo version that was at E3 so many years ago, but it's still not great. Yes, yeah, and that. that that was my uh, thinking going in, and the character customization was really good, if I remember. But yeah. for some reason. Weirdly for me, not researching it or looking it up at all, I I assumed that Yuito and Kasane would just be like these blank slates. I thought I'd go in just like, you know, you're like silent protagonist or something. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it'd be. Um, and then within like the first ten minutes, Yuito is one talking about like his reasons for being there in a very like anime way, like very like, oh, I will do this. I believe in myself, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. And then. After the first mission, he's joking around with I forget his name now, but he's joking around with, like his best friend who's also just joined, and they're like talking about like uh, that they're both like joking around, they're both like let's go get our fortune told, and they just like they seem like really good friends, and I was just there, I was I sat there doing this preview, and I was like, wow, like these characters are actually like they have character, and it just I, I don't know why it surprised me so much, but knowing nothing about it, uh, it was just like the first thing that drew me to it. Um, and anyway, so to, to move on from story stuff, because uh, it is still too early to tell, but that is my strongest impression from the game so far. I really like these characters. I really, really like this world. Uh, I just think it's really interesting. So, so I'm, I'm I remember I remember several months ago when Adam had a hands-off preview, or maybe it was just a press release, talking about the enemy design. It was designed from someone, from a creator outside of games, who like was more of a novelist. And... Like these enemies are very unnerving. Like it's like, what is it supposed yeah, to be? Yeah. It's not just like lions and tigers and beasts. It's supposed to be like these otherworldly things. I guess that's why we call them the other, right? And when you say like it has a very jokey, vibey tone, but it's got it got this bleak environment and this this sort of like this is the the conflict that they're put up against. Just in principle, that sounds like it could be like a pretty a pretty exciting duality there. I think it's uh, it's also important that you mentioned that too because of like this already established camaraderie. Uh, between like you know his friends or previous friends that you don't know about and like that's also uh, it ties into the system with this game because as you're exploring around these levels it's kind of like a third person action game or akin to like if code vein was to like souls like games this would be like kind of devil may cry-esque yes yeah perfect yeah yeah so you when you're exploring around you have like two other party members and you can actually like i think borrow their skills or like they put like put like a some skill on you to enhance whatever you're doing and then as you uh, to to power them up or strengthen them you have to go through like these almost persona-esque like social link events with yeah, them I think. yeah so I, so I got a little taste of that um and now i think there's, there's actually like quite a lot to talk about um but the the one i got a taste of is with kasane so it, it's like a tutorial one you do get forced to do it but um you you let you get to borrow her power but because her power is the same as yours you just get like like it's a really op version of like a psychokinesis so instead of just lifting some stuff up you suddenly like you do like this like whirlwind of stuff and it just it killed everything in one hit and i was like whoa this is really cool yeah, so i presume that i presume they won't be united much because it's like it would break it a bit but i think that's also cool too that you mentioned that because like a lot of like the early footage we saw, saw of yuito like he he seems to be like a more melee oriented he has like a sword 
but he can still throw stuff around, but they're smaller stuff. And then the, what you're describing with Kasane, she seems to be more like mid-range or far-range oriented, and she's really all in on like range attacks. And and mm. as like as a as a trade-off, even though like you're not up close doing like you know up close like melee damage, she has like more powerful like telekinesis or psychokinesis tools to like lift heavier stuff onto opponents. And I, I th- I'm not sure. I have to like when you're starting up this game, you either have the choice of either like uh, choosing. Yuito's story or Kasane's story, right? Mm. So th- th- that, that's another thing that I didn't get is that I thought it would be like other games where they would just like gender swap. So they're like, oh, same story, but maybe, you know, a different voice or like a slight different perspective or whatever. But no, like they are completely different campaigns from the looks of it. Like the way that their stories go when you're like when I was, I didn't play as Kasane, I didn't have the chance, but um, when I was playing as Yuito, like Kasane is always up to different stuff. She's in a completely different team to you. She's in like a completely different area. So I have to assume that it's going to be a completely different campaign as well. Uh, maybe sharing some levels, but like going about it differently. So like that's really exciting as well. Uh, do you th- okay, do and- you think they're going to do like the classic thing where like to get the true end of this game, you have to complete both routes, and then they'll both merge into one final yeah. I'll, be, I'll be disappointed if they yeah, don't for so. some reason. Like I, I want to hear. I want. I want there to be like. The, the 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 route c or the, the third the third part where once you once you it's like this, this is such a dumb comparison but like sonic heroes you have to play through all uh-huh. the <laughs> sonic friends in order to get the true uh, i was gonna say sonic <laughs> adventure too <laughs> our brains are just poisoned but uh i hope they do that so i think uh coming away from it i was really really impressed with like pretty much everything i love story characters i love the music's really cool it's almost like lo-fi at some point at some points Um, i think the graphics are really good the environments are a bit bland uh but like overall the graphics are nice i think the main thing that it has to prove to me still not that it has anything to prove to me specifically but for me to like really really enjoy it is i hope the combat has a bit more depth Mm. so it's very very simple from what i've played it's just like square to attack triangle to do a move that recharges your uh, like psychokinetic powers and then you just have those those abilities as well um, and you can chain them together you can do little combos and it feels really good like it feels quite satisfying but I really hope that they let you customize like from the looks of it you can customize your party at a certain point and then you get to choose like what abilities you would take on because they're all linked to one person but like I didn't get any of that in the first like three or four hours it was all cho- like chose for me so my hope is that the further into the game they'll just be like, yeah, take whoever you want, have whatever powers you want, like really mix it up. Um, and if it does that, like I, I would be super happy because that's the powers that you get. Uh, some of them are really fun. Like there's an electricity one that's really cool to use, but then there's an invisibility one that's like absolutely useless. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's where that's where my worry lies. It's not even a worry. It's like I did really enjoy what I played. Um, and I wanted to keep playing it. Like wh- when I got to the point where it's like you need to stop now, I was like, oh, "Come on, like <laughs> George, get it good." Please, please stop, George. I'm imagining like <laughs> you know. even though this was a even though this was a digital preview, like prying the controller away. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, like, I do. It was a physical event. They're like just tapping on George's shoulder, like, <laughs> sir. Leave sir, me alone, up, sir. <laughs> uh, so I do. I do want to bring up. So obviously, this game releases in June. Uh, but it does have, mm. they announced this week, a demo will be available later this month. It'll be available on Xbox consoles on May 21st and PlayStation consoles on May 28th. The demo will not have any carryover to the June release, but you do get like a bonus for playing it. Uh, 
a, a, an attachment and a plug-in, like different equipment slots for each character, okay. Yuito and Kasane. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it. I think uh, it next week. Yeah, I think it, it looks really cool. I I agree with you, George. That I really hope they really lean into like interesting, like like enemy encounters later on. Where like, hey, to take out this enemy, you have to like you like specifically use like this sort of power or this party member's yeah, buff yeah. to you to like take them down in interesting ways. Like I, I think one of the uh, early examples of that like promise in these previews coming out is like, hey, you fling like this oil can on an enemy to drench it in oil, and then you'll use like a uh, a party member's like fire buff on your uh, on your skills, and you can like set it ablaze for like a lot of damage and whatnot. And that's yeah. if, they, if they really expand on like that environmental interaction system, or well, sort of like how like you know how Genshin Impact does it with like how its elemental uh, affinities and exposing weaknesses are. I think there could be you know like really cool stuff to this game. I'm I'm really interested to see like uh, Bandai Namco's expectations of this game and how well this will like permeate like throughout its uh target audience because they're really really betting big on this like brand new ip like not even just giving it like you know obviously a, a new game but like a whole a, a tv anime series as well like yeah betting i'm, big I'm on hoping it. i'm hoping it does well um because it literally just took this like two hour period for me to go damn it i'm buying this game like damn it i really like this so i, I just hope people give it a chance i hope people go and play that demo yeah it's um, good. It's good. it has a like a strong first impression already like the stat yeah definitely definitely hours in. And, and then like it's 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 kind of like a i don't know a small sentiment but I, I always try to root for the underdog especially if it's like a brand new thing and like the 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 developers behind this game seem very passionate about it every time they speak about it too yeah, that was uh, the one thing I played, which was like very exciting. That was the first preview I've done, um, and then since then I've been playing uh, and finished the original Mass Effect as part of the Legendary Edition trilogy. And Renamed from the ground holy up, holy crap! Mass Effect's awesome. Like, <laughs> who would have thought that you know Mass Effect's great? Everyone knows that. Did you play the original, or is this the first time you played the first one? This is the first time I've played the original. Um, my brother used to own it, so I used to watch it. So some bits like ring a bell, like the intro rings a bell a bit. But I've played two and three, like two back in the day, three like I think a little bit more recently. Um, but one completely missed, and I feel like I was missing a piece of the puzzle in a way. Like t- you can totally still play it. Um, you could totally still go through two and three and like not need one, but like after playing one, I'm really like no, like one is really really strong, um, and it would it it's a really exciting prospect for people to have like the whole trilogy all at once. Um, I feel like as well, uh, I'm not the best one to say like how how much the legendary edition like changes because like I've never played the first, so when I got to, like, the, the, the Mako bits, and I was like, oh my god, like, I hate that bit. Like, it drives like crap. I, it drives fine to me. Like, those you bits should are watch kind of the fun. videos. Like, they, they, it was pretty, very janky back in the day. That's really? Like, you should definitely go see, like, original Mass Effect Mako driving. It's uh, even better if, you ever, if you're able to, like, get access to, to the original game and control it, because that is, that is a real piece of work. I, I, I kind of, even though it's not great, it still holds, like, a little special place in my heart of, like, yeah, I was... I was dumb. <laughs> we all suffered through it and overcame it, and we're better people for it. <laughs> Is it really? Was Am it really that bad? It was pretty bad. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have to say it wasn't that bad. I think people kind of oversell it, but think, think of more, it. 
I think of more floaty halo driving, you know, like but unreliable halo controls and like it's more somehow more floaty than I will uh, admit driving. Those those bits are like they're a nice like pace breaker, but when I when I'd go to a new planet, it's like okay, drive around for a bit. Or like when you do a side mission where it's like go find It's better than uh planet scanning. scanning. Oh, true. Yeah, 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 that is true. I agree. But, yeah, I mean, what have you been playing this, George, on uh, what system? Uh, the Xbox Series X. I know, I use my Xbox Series X. Wait, but shot. I'd say, like, is this the first time you turn it on since getting it? <laughs> Literally, yeah, genuinely the first game I've played on it. Uh, how is it? Um, how is it there? Runs, yeah, really well. Uh, I've had one crash, and that's it. And <laughs> Really well, by the way, it crashed. Well, okay, well, <laughs> well, 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 one's better than most these days, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get Disco Elysium flashbacks. I'm like, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've only had one crash. I haven't really had like many glitches, like a, a few here and there, but like nothing to ruin the experience. Um, but I, I'm really impressed with it overall. Like, I feel like Mass Effect is one of those games where if we had talked about it before, like if we talked about it like 10, 12 podcasts ago, I wouldn't have given much of an opinion on it because when I played two and three, like it, like I was kind of young, like. It, it didn't really like strike as much of a, a chord of me, but going back to one, I'm like, no, actually, I really do like love Mass Effect. Um, so that's really exciting, and yeah. it's nice to think the people who can play it first time. I want to. Are you playing as a goody two shoes or as a jerk? Goody two, like it's so for <laughs> th- this is one of those things. I know. Like, he, it's so overacted. And there are times I feel like talking about Mass Effect is really like really old hat now, but there are times when I choose something and it's like, oh, is he gonna is he gonna answer this like sort of normally, or is he gonna start shouting and I've just chosen wrong? Um, but it, it's kind of all part of the charm, isn't it? Like all the the dead the dead looks that Shepard gives, he's just like there's weird expressions and weird voice acting. Like it's all part of the charm. I love it. Um, how how long so are the rides uh, in their Xbox Series X? like seconds you can in mass effect 2 they're like pretty much instant um but in mass effect 1 like they just go like maybe five seconds at max and if there's like a conversation in there you can skip them now uh you can't skip them outright but you can skip like if there's like radio chatter like talking about stuff i I always skip it like screw that (laughs) i want to play are you are you gonna play through two and three or since you've already played those uh yeah i will i'm i'm on the ride now like this is the first time this is this is interesting to me like this is the first time that i've actually had like i've had rex in my party and like i know who he is and he's interesting like i hear like when that's a good I, point I, I didn't think of that because do you get him in mass Effect 2 if you don't have carryover data i don't I... remember i imagine you do but like I remember there being like this big thing that he can disappear from your party so easily. Right, right. Yeah, I forget the particulars, but yeah, that was that was a possibility. Yeah. So this time I was I was well aware of that. I'd heard that. I was like, no, charm up to max. Um what's weird as well to me, thinking about it, is there are things from Mass Effect One that I actually really miss, like in Mass Effect Two and Three. Like they got rid of some stuff that actually like I think it's for the worse, like this is a really weird one, but the grenades in Mass Effect 1, I don't know if you guys can, like, picture them as I say it, but they're like frisbees. You, like, you sling them, and then you can press it to, like, do it, and that's awesome. Like, I know that's a, a really minor one, but it's just cool. And then being able to crouch whenever I want, like, they've redone the cover system uh, so that, like, now you just kind of, like, walk up to cover and you will take cover. 
uh, rather than pressing a button. And then going from that to Mass Effect 2, like I'm like, I, there's too many button presses now. Like it, it worked really well as auto cover. Um, it's still not like. Then I think of all the problems I had with auto cover, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's a blessing that it's gone. But it's so weird to think like the first entry like did like quite a lot right. Uh, two and three are definitely better. Like I wouldn't sit here and say the first is the best. I I think that's kind of crazy talk. But... I I know a lot of people back in the day really didn't like the change like ammunition to like thermal clips. Yes, I hate two. that. Yeah, I hate that. That's another. Wait, one. which which one do you hate? One or two? The the actual like actually having ammo like not thinking about ammo just makes you a bit more experimentative with your weapons. Like you're just a bit more free fire. Like if you're just having to wait for it to cool down, like that. that that's like that's great, but then going. So you like it? So you like it better than two? No, I like it better in one. Yeah, he like. Oh. oh, okay, okay. That that was poorly explained on my part, but yeah, yeah like, 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 like you said, you said you don't like ammo, and that was in one, and then, and then, but you're saying you prefer. I don't know. Wait, no, What are you trying to say? Right, right, right. I'll do it again. Mass Effect One doesn't have ammo, right? No. From when I was playing it, I'm soldier class, so like mine are all like completely cooldown based. All of the weapons I use are always cooldown. And then going into oh. Mass Effect Two, I did as a soldier again. Like you get ammo there. Okay. Is that well, like, it's, it's, it's 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 because well, first of all, like I I wonder like if it was changed for the remaster that I'll have to like pick, be like and failing memory. And then in Mass Effect Two, like they call them thermal clips, but they're yeah. it really is just ammo. Yeah, it's, yeah a way, that, it's a way to explain yeah. why an energy weapon has ammo, okay. has yeah. like countable shots. Yeah, because from from mine, bear in mind this is like twenty four hours ago. Like Mass Effect One absolutely doesn't have ammo. I don't know if that changes for like if you're Vanguard or if you choose another class. But as a soldier, every single weapon I used, like every single one throughout my playtime, never had ammo. They just have like cooldown times, and I loved that. That was really cool. Okay. So like going into two is weird. Like it's weird to have an ammo count. I like it a little less. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Mass Effect's great. That's, that's, that's it. Really, is as simple as that. It's a really good remaster. It looks great. Um, it's a bit of uncanny valley sometimes because obviously it's a Bioware game. They have that quite a bit, but there's not really anything like Mass Effect. Like it's 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 really one of a kind in my opinion, and a very special set of games that is like now more special to me and like even better because of this trilogy. I I really wonder what the, that that new Mass Effect is gonna be like. Like they're obviously they're trying to like you know get interest back into the series after Andromeda, trying to you know excite the fan base once again. So if this is all like you know, hey, we're, we're bringing back Mass Effect, and then this new Mass Effect now comes out and doesn't do all that well, what happens then again? What a, what a weird situation. All right, I so I, I wanted played. to get I wanted to get the egg off her face. Uh, so Mass Effect One, the attribute is called shots before overheat. It's basically how many times you can fire yeah. a weapon before you have to go yeah. before you go into overheat. So in neither game, it's like really ammo. It's it's just different ways of in, of implementing that sort of mechanic. So shots before overheat, oh, okay. Mass Effect One, and then like the thermal clips. Damn. Beyond that, yeah, I was yeah okay, I was mixing it up. Got it. All right. I'm yeah. That's, I don't know. I it's don't know. I, I, Adam has said this on previous podcasts where it's like I love I love this game, I really like the series. I wish Bioware would make another hit like that. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
but uh, I don't know if I'm that eager to revisit it. I might, I, I will probably purchase it just to have it, which might be a bit weird. Just, just no, because no, I get it's that. I get to have it, just because they, you know, coming from being an Xbox, like the reason why you played only two and three is because it was like originally on Xbox 360, and then two was multiplat, and then eventually uh, Mass Effect One released on Sony platforms later. The PC version was like at the, you know, the origin days of the origin store like back when it's like was awful maybe it's still awful i don't know i haven't opened it up in a while <laughs> wait a minute because because that between one and two i believe is when the ea acquisition was i don't remember exactly how it timed out but basically to play through all three games before this month was kind of a mess yeah. well yeah, there was a trilogy absolutely. edition that released a bit and even so, then you'd have to pretty much install like quite a few mods on mass effect original mass effect one to like make it look acceptable yeah. today i guess or at least you know may, make it work better on modern systems but i don't know so yeah, yeah it's really cool to have and hopefully people who are playing it for the first time end up feeling as strongly about it as as we do and as george ended up so the, george since you have the series x one when it downloaded was there a way to like for for it to just download hey only mass effect one and then like start playing that while it's downloaded Mass Effect 2 and 3, or like did it segment up the downloads so you can like start playing the first one immediately, or did you have to wait for the whole thing to finish? Uh, it was uh, like 30 gigabytes to start, and then you, you go and it's like, okay, play Mass Effect 1, and then you have to choose to download 2 and 3. Interesting. Um, okay. It was, pretty, it was pretty painless though. Like, I, I, I wondered about this because it is like. 100 gigabytes overall. I was like, oh. Yeah, because, that, because that's different from how PS5 handles it, because, you know. Really? God forbid how Sony handles PS5 quote, no smart delivery, dumb delivery. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that they make you download all 100 Oh, because it's a PS4 game, really. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah it's, uh. a PS- it's a PS4 game and like, um, you, to start it, it'll download like, you, you can download like the first like six, six to six and a half gigs, but like, obviously, that's not ideal. Um, no, not so, you, so you just basically have to wait out like the whole, whole 80 to 81 gig download and yeah. Screw that. <laughs> Go Xbox. I mean, yeah, they're st- still continue to kill it with smart delivery. Mm. All right. For some of the people that we haven't had a lot of chance to hear from, I do know that Chow and James have both put some time into a recent release, Famicom Detective Club. And just to, yeah, just to yep. kind of give a little bit of a look ahead, I know that James also made both a written and video review for this and then chow did some guides for it so what is famicom detective club and how do you feel about it let's start with uh james uh first off uh they are not visual novels they are <laughs> i'm glad i, I love they opened with that uh, <laughs> um so famicom detective club are a it's a series that is one of the original like japanese adventure game like kind of text adventure games uh, all the way back on the Famicom Disk System. And obviously, we never got those localized because the Famicom Disk System never got an NES equivalent. And uh, the second game did get an SNES remake, but it was like in 1998. So obviously, that didn't get localized either because that was so late in the SNES's lifespan. Uh, but so, yeah. As of today, the um, 
Switch remakes of the first two games have been localized. It's actually kind of ridiculous, kind of crazy thinking about it since it's been so long since the originals came out. And I don't think anyone really ever expected them to get officially localized. So for someone who doesn't play these, I was going to oh, go ahead. Chow. I was going to say there, there is an English fan patch for the Super Nintendo version. Uh, but there is nothing for the original. So a lot of like story summaries for the missing hair is kind of kind of like not out there. Like there's like hardly any information about it. Did you play the original games or the Super Super Famicom version? I, I played the Super Nintendo version. Um, but I have never played the original missing hair. Um I did went over and play a little bit of it after after beating it, like the Switch remake. Just to kind of get a feel of what's with what's the Nintendo version, but like, I didn't really go through the entire game. That's so what is like the, the premise <laughs> of the game? Like, what is all, the Famicom Detective Club? Yeah, like, uh, I guess uh, I, I was going to say all I know about them is they were from a Smash Brothers trophy. That's their origin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let, let's, let's probably put a story. Um, uh, premise. So in the second game, the girl stands behind. It's a prequel story. So let's start with that. You're basically this kid that ran away from home trying to find his missing parents. And some random detective guy finds you and say, hey, you know what? You remind me of just myself. So I'll make you a detective. <laughs> that's the, that's that's you become the a detective. detective. If only all of us just had a career fall into our lap like that. <laughs> And anyways, uh, most of the game starts with like a tragedy of some sort. Um, so the second game would start with this girl being murdered and you're trying to figure out who's behind the murder. While the missing here is that you you get called to this island uh, from this clan. You're trying to find um, this missing here. So because the I'm, I'm really... sorry, I, I just have to say it. it's air, <laughs> not here. Sorry, right. missing air. <laughs> But anyways, you, you go to this place and you're trying to find, you know, um, this successor to this family that that's just about the, like, because was it the head of this clan just passed away and they want to pass on their will to the successor? And that's basically the premise there. But what's different about that one is the protagonist starts with amnesia. So he's like, he has to start from square one because of that. So what would be like the recommended, like, play, like, what would be still? I would recommend with the girl stands behind just because it's more yeah. easier. Cause... Yeah. So people have been saying, oh, well, you should play it in release order, and that's fair. But it's what it's the case where the girl who stands behind was designed to be played first. You get more out of it playing it first rather than uh, playing it second, I'd say. Okay. I, I don't think there's any problem with first game as like story wise I, I actually do like the story of the first game but i just think they were too faithful in this remake and it, it kind of gets annoying trying to get to the next part because you'll be like you forgot to say ask one dumb question and the game won't progress because it's like oh yeah i didn't ask it's like what what did you do for supper today and because of that you didn't trigger the guy to leave and that won't trigger the next story event so you're like stuck in the game what the hell am i doing wrong because if they like when you when you say it's too faithful like what's the alternative then in in that case because like if they change it up too much i think that would 
I think they should just like condense it. Like you should be like, if you already asked the most important questions, then the game should know that to let you progress instead of like make you stuck because you didn't ask one. And, then, and like question, the pro right? the progression of like these games, like uh, is basically like, hey, you have to go to this person, ask them these questions, and then once you like triggered, you know, the responses to all these questions, yeah, like you know, you'd have to go to like the next person and then go ask them this like it's basically like you're interacting with stuff in the right order to proceed essentially am i correct yeah once you ask all the questions and like they don't always leave right but if you ask the right question and you go to the next place then it's like oh yeah it's like now there's an event happening and now you but but it's all done in menus there's not like like you're not you're not actually like controlling like a physical character like throughout a world you're there's all very, very menu driven yeah yeah But like, anyways, I, I think they were just being too faithful, and that was the problem. I, but I do like the story of the first one. I I really like the like the origin stories of the protagonists. I, I find it's really sad. Like this whole story is about uh, a family trying to make a redemption arc for himself, and everything's just gone wrong from and there. Obviously, like the I don't I imagine not. But previous releases of this weren't didn't have any voices at all. So like this now. No, and I think. I think there's one problem with the voice acting. It's not like it's bad. I feel like if you're like really into like Japanese voice actors, it's like it kind of gives away who the killer is a lot of the time because you'd be like, oh yeah, it's like why do they have this really famous voice actor voicing this person? It's obviously like it can't be like I'll be I'll be completely honest. Just knowing that one of the um, important like well, both of these stories follow the like. Uh, mystery genre you need to to learn like figure like meet the killer really early on so like as soon as i as i like met one or two of the characters in like both games it's like yep ah it's the gas station attendant got it yeah it's like you wouldn't give like such a famous voice active voice i guess i guess one of like the the weird like interesting trivia about this game is like they got the original voice actress from uh, like one of the this is to tell of you a third game, which hopefully that gets a remake yeah, uh, down got, the line. Yeah, they got the original voice actress to come back for Ayumi. She's the she's basically the sub heroine, kind of like kind of like there to just kind of tell the protagonist. It's like kind of like give you a rundown of what happened in each chapter, right? I, I really wonder, like, who at Nintendo said, "Yeah, we should do this. We should definitely just remake this." And like, it's it's really cool that they did it, but I wonder what's like the end game. For this kind of release, because I think it's very fascinating that they brought this back. Something I find really fascinating. It's like, why do you know if you go to the Nintendo character page, why does it tell you that uh, Ayumi is good with uh, Nakita? Nakita, whatever those Japanese yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, why did they have to mention that? Smash Bros. Not a single combat. Oh no. Can you imagine, dude? That's the, that's the reason they buy it. It's like, hey, Ayumi is in Smash Brothers now, and she's really good at Nagidadas. <laughs> it's like, they have to mention that in their webpage. It's like, there was not single battle scenes with her in the game, and they never even mentioned she was skilled that's in combat. In I wonder if there's like supplementary material, like side material that's released only in Japan, obviously. That's like, oh, I guess. <laughs> Who has a better chance of getting in Smash Bros? Her or a non-sword-building fire character? Ooh, <laughs> That's yeah. a tough choice. Still spurned I, by no Hector or E-Frame. 
and how and like what are the what are the prices like for this game like are these two separate games on nintendo switch are they bundled together what's this um, um you it depends well it depends in europe you have to buy them together i think depending on the country um but for north america well so in the us it's uh, 35 bucks separately for each of them but the second one you buy will have a 10 dollar discount so it's 60 are these bucks digital before. only or is there physical release okay they're digital only uh, it's physical in japan but at the collector's edition though and as part of the coverage for this game, you did a video review for it, which is always kind of cool that I want to make sure to highlight and kind of give a shout yep. out for. That I did. I have now done the last four video reviews. <laughs> oh, on now I feel bad. Guilty. Hey, man, it's hard having a full time job, you know, and then bouncing yeah. back. So don't, 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 don't beat it yourself yeah. up too much. It's... Before the end of the year, I will do one. I don't know what the. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask you has anyone watched the Harihi Suzumiya anime? Uh, yeah. Uh yeah. Do you remember there's this episode where they go to this beach and there was a murder and it's like, hey, you're the murderer. <laughs> tries to like, you know, episode kind of reminds me of the first game for some reason. I I don't I honestly don't see it. You don't see it? It's like I don't know. The first game kind of has like an episodic format where everyone someone gets killed each episode and and they're like, oh yeah. It's like, what are we gonna do about it? Did they did they change up like obviously other uh, other than like the the graphics and the voice performances did like did they change any like core fundamental things from the original release into this one or is it like just like it's exactly the uh, for the most part it's the same thing there's like like I, I I'll be honest uh, when I was playing through the first one I kind of utilized a Japanese guide for uh, the original just uh -huh. to help me through it and uh, there are some small changes but nothing major like it's like maybe an additional like dialogue option you need to choose here or there like for the most part it's exactly the same with one exception and it's just based off framing in the original there were six chapters and this one there's 11 and it's not that the actual content's different it's just the way that it's like separated into like chapters it's different like, well it, it's like the it's basically when you get to chapter five in the original game there you basically have to switch the disc because those famicom disc system has two sides to the disc right so well, it's like chapter oh, now three. you switch to disc two well right. technically the way it works in the original release is that the second disc um for the game was released a month later okay huh interesting are there any so i guess so i guess it was like a kind of communal thing where it's like for a month people are like oh man i wonder yeah, what's gonna happen that's next to think about but huh are there are there probably keep are there any plans, other like real like like deep cuts in nintendo's history that you would now want to see like make a comeback like this out of nowhere like what is there any quick other... scour scour through the smash bros trophy list <laughs> I want Captain Rainbow to come back. <laughs> okay. Was that Nintendo? Time twist. Huh. Who's that yellow drone? I don't know what. Bring him. Nintendo. Bring him <laughs> I mean, got all that controversy because of uh, the Birdo event in that game. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. I want Captain Rainbow to come back. I'm like Little Max Fat in that, isn't he? I, I think I know what you mean. A anything more to add on uh, Famicom Detective Club from any uh, of you? 
Well, I don't think we can add too much to yeah. it without like spoiling the story. Yeah. Because it's mostly we're talking about the story here, but yeah. I I don't think the first game was terrible. I just think it was like it was just too faithful as a remake. It's like it suffers kind of like the same problem with like Fire Emblem uh, was Echoes, where you're like, oh yeah, those desert maps are awful, but yet we still did it. We still put them back in the game just like the way they were, and you know maybe it's better they can just rework that, but. The balancing act know. between being faithful and being like, could this, could this been improved? Okay, on? so I will, I will spoil one thing. They did not need to leave the button in. They just did not. I assume you need context. Oh, yeah. so that makes sense. Say, I, I don't know if that's good. a spoiler. <laughs> uh, basically, okay. So this is out of con out of context. It doesn't really have anything. Basically, there's a point in the game where you need to scour the uh, cliffside for a button. And it's not like when you mouse over it, it'll change the um, the cursor to let you know that you're selecting the button. No, you need to see the button and click when you're on top of it. And it's super tiny. And it's like only like Hell a couple yeah. pixels. Love I'm getting, I'm getting Metroid Other just, M first no, person. I don't know how people find that in the original <laughs> game. In the original game, that pixel is like non. It's like so freaking hit. <laughs> There's like one red pixel and a sea of whatever the cliffside looks like. Find it. Have fun. This is yeah. gameplay. This this is what counts for gameplay in the. Uh... <laughs> I I just imagine the SEO, the SEO chart for that game like now is just like what did people talk like just search for this thing? It's like and you see like just random word button at the like that. The, 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 well, where's the button? Like, I don't know, like, how would people find this? Right, so, okay, so, no clues. Also, the main character is like, oh, yeah, it's like, hmm, I think I know. All right, so Chow posted for, uh, for us to see on our end an image from the original game of where to see the button, and it's circled for me. And I'm like, are you sure it's there? <laughs> I don't see it. Yeah, I have yeah, no we'll, idea. We'll throw, we'll, throw this in, we'll throw this in the site post. Yeah, we should so. put this in the site post for sure. But like uh, for people who are listening to this audio only, it's basically um, a, a, like a clipside of like, like just a whole row of grass sprites all over the screen and whatnot. And then the, the little circle is like at the top left of it. And it looks very identical, nearly identical to every other like cliff side sprite on this uh, screen. And it's like... I don't get it. I don't get it. How do you know there's a button there? There's no way. <laughs> but I think someone just arbitrarily overlaid a, a red circle on this on this unassuming image. I mean, the remake did it better. He's like, oh, I think I see something glowing yeah. there. <laughs> then you yeah, see like a definitely tiny Definitely check out the side post for this uh, episode if you want to get the just see how they do <laughs> the mystery. Good. The mystery of the hidden button. Yeah. So, <laughs> really cool. Really cool. <laughs> All right, so we haven't heard a lot from Adam yet. Did you have anything that you wanted to add uh, to round out this section? No. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Uh, and I just, I, I just want to make okay, sure well. I give everyone a chance to speak up. Uh, More seriously, Josh. I just uh, I'm the the game I am playing, I cannot talk about. <laughs> I feel uh, yes. And then. Uh, Josh, did you have you played anything else this week other than the uh, Guilty Gear beta? Mm, I'm in the same boat as Adam. Oh, I see. All right. Uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. We'll move into the uh, topical section. We already talked about uh, on the site side, obviously, the um, Famicom, Famicom Detective Club review, the Scarlet Nexus preview. Uh, James also did do 
the Pokemon Snap review that just went up, I think, yesterday, maybe the day before. We talked yep. about that kind of at length of the podcast last week, so I don't think there's really a whole lot to add. Stop me if that's not true. No, it's basically the same. Um, you, you basically, If you listened to the podcast last week, you pretty much listened to uh, me realizing what the final score was probably <laughs> going to be. So it sounds like a fun game that just has a little bit too much like grind and padding. So give that a read. All right. Oh, before we move on to the news, one last thing is that Alex Donaldson has been going bananas, writing a whole bunch of Mass Effect guides for romance, for carryover, for other tips and tricks. So if you're playing Mass Effect, just I'm sure there's something on the site that will be useful to have up. What's all this on new? On the monitor or on your phone. Yes. All right, and then this is something I'll have to rely on James for because the big news from yesterday, at the same time that the Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis beta kicked off, was Final Fantasy XIV FanFest with a big revelation about the release date and all the information pertaining to the upcoming Endwalker expansion. So, all yeah, right. just take it away because I, I know bits and pieces Let's and I learned started. through osmosis, but... You are the one that is in the know here. What did you think about it? Um, awesome all around. Uh, we got confirmation that the other um, genders for the uh, for the Rothgar and um, Vera Vera race, yeah, Vera race are being added to the game right now. So basically, we got confirmation that male Viera are going to be added to the game with Endwalker, with uh, female uh, Rothgar's uh, coming later. Maybe not with this expansion, maybe with the next one, but they have confirmed it, that it will happen, so that's an, that's nice for people there we to go. hear about that. Finally, I think, confirmed. Well, well bunny yeah, boys. bunny boys, actually. But <laughs> it's yeah. already cat boys. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, Wrong the line. big thing out of everything else, and I think not enough people are talking about this, the biggest news that came out of uh, this fan fest so far is that Oceania is finally getting a data center. So the Australian players that have had to choose to play on one of the other three regions, Japan, Europe, or North America, finally can play on a data center that's native to them. That's pretty big. So they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not stuck Which with is, like really high ping. Yeah, I saw, I saw some mention of this yep. on Twitter from some, some mutuals, and they were very, very, very happy about that. And of course, they're offering um, free data center transfers to the new Oceania data center, which makes sense. So that's that's great. I don't actually have any mutuals that are like in Oceania that play 14, but it's great for everyone. It's good on does Because obviously, yep. Um. Also, we got the confirmation for the next melee DPS job that's um, sharing the slaying set for armor pieces. So basically, it's going to use many of the same armor pieces that Dragoon currently does. Uh, Reaper, which is a Final Fantasy XIV original Everyone thought it was job. Necromancer off all the teasing, but no. <laughs> they went even more edgy somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, playing as a tank in uh, Endwalker because between the new healer that everyone wants to play and the new melee DPS that everyone wants to play, those tank cues are gonna be popping, man. Gonna be instant. I know, you got a comfy, uh, comfy job. 
Uh, so uh, tell us about Reaper. Yep. Uh, obviously, we have uh, they they use a scythe as a main weapon. What else did they share about Reaper? Uh, so part of Reaper's rotation, um, you can summon a void a scent. A void oh, scent, <laughs> which is a. Uh, Sorry, Karen. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Do you really want me to explain what a void okay, scent okay. is? Okay. No, no, yeah, I, I want to know. Yeah. Okay. Give us. Give me the 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 cliff notes. Reader's dinosaur. Yeah. Is it like a like a spirit with you or something? Uh, it it is a spirit of a sort. So basically, in the Final Fantasy fourteen world, you have uh, fourteen different. Well, used to be fifteen. No, yeah, fourteen different worlds. Uh, there's the source which is Heidelin, then there's um, the different shards. The first is the one you go to in Shadowbringers, the, but the 13th was one that was lost to the Void when the Yassians tried to okay. force a rejoining. And it didn't go well, and basically it got swallowed by the Void, became part of it, and all of the inhabitants became void scent, which are basically Okay, demons. so when, when I'm looking at that, 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 Reaper, uh, that Reaper job art, it has like this almost grim reaper skeleton like coming out of like your your side your body it reminds you of dizzy from guilty gear when she has like that angel and that reaper surrounding her like uh, that's what I, that's that's the immediate thing that comes to mind so for people who aren't like deep into ff14 i assume this spirit or this void scent that you're talking about will assist you in battle will they will you will they be able to like help you with your skills or will they like possess you have they got into any of that Um, basically, they just said that it's part of your rotation. They did um, release a video showcasing some of the actions. It seems like you can use it to kind of buff okay. some of your actions for um, burst damage. But we don't have a detailed like um, action list. Uh, we might get more of that in the live letter tonight. Maybe not. Because there will be another <laughs> deluge of information tonight because the live letter is coming up. So probably some more detailed what, information What's the there. live letter? What does that, what does um, that mean? Uh, basically, uh, well, here you go, George. I'll use uh, language that you're familiar <laughs> with. It's a Final Fantasy 14 version of a uh, war oh, table. Oh, god, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. I like that. I okay, like that a now, lot. now I get it, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's that stuff. Um, they did detail more information about um, the collector's edition for Endwalker. It was a little bit weird how this, they stressed that there isn't going to be a physical copy for Endwalker. It's just like it's only a digital game. Even if you get the collector's edition, they said, oh, well, 80 percent of people don't buy a physical copy. It's like, well, Shadowbringers, you couldn't buy a physical copy on PC. <laughs> so that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy did you there. Get the but, edition? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, it sold because, out. As, yeah. Um, it sold out instantly, really? instantly, probably. Um, I imagine, like, it's... yeah, uh, hopefully, it'll get restocked or failing that. Uh, it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be bundled um, with uh, 3090 cards if you can find them. Good luck. I'm just kidding, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so lots of interesting stuff there. Uh, we kind of touched on the trailer that they released, the full trailer that they released um, alongside it. That was okay. It's based. Go ahead. So it's it's hype as hell. 
even if you don't know anything that's going on, but if you do know anything that's everything that's going on, if you have played this like up to that point, oh my god, there's sections of the trailers um where um where they play the themes for each of the expansions. And it's just like that's the impression oh I got. I was like, even though I don't just, play the game, like when I was watching that trailer, it's like, oh, when they're going over like these different people and like changing up the music for that, I was like, I, I imagine there's like a reference to like past expansions, like everything that's happened before is now leading up to this, like, you know, suppose well, that's how they're positioning the expansion yep. itself yeah. as like a culmination of everything that came before it before starting a new arc following it. Yeah, I mean, like the Japanese um, t- um, kind of caption for the expansion is basically the final tale of the star. It's like a tagline. So yeah, that's uh, pr- yeah. So is it like the end game of of the Final Fantasy fourteen? <laughs> well, they they basically um, well they I think we're gonna say the same thing. They basically stated that no, this isn't the end of Final Fantasy fourteen, but it's like the end of the current arc. Like it'll shift focus after this. Yeah, um, basically, uh, Yoshi P has outright said that he considers Final Fantasy XIV to be his life's work, so he is going to keep working on it until the day he dies. Dedication, fair play. I really like, I like, really like his Reaper cosplay. The, the, the photos of that going around were pretty nice. Shout out to Koji Fox, uh, um, I'm putting in the work to be the uh, demon. <laughs> in twelve years, someone will have a. Uh, whatever podcast look like in 12 years and installing the 20 year old client for Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, the, the, the trailer uh, that they released, I can vouch for the fact that it is pretty hype. Even if you don't have no context, it's basically Square Enix absolutely flexing the way they did like in the late PS2 era in that time or, or PS1 era even. So it's basically them just saying like, yeah, we know we're good at this. So it's six minutes of just like, of just that. When Estinian, when Estinian, when Estinian popped off in the trailer, I uh, <laughs> I cheered. He but cried, yeah. cheered. A- any other big details uh, outside of that uh, initial batch of info from the the digital fest that's going on? We did get uh, quite a few, a bit more information about different areas. So we do know that Garlemald is going to have a field. We know that Thabnir is going to have a. I'm not sure if it's technically the city that's there or if it's tech a field, but basically we've got a bunch of information about different fields. I was saying that it seems like they've showcased more of them than they usually do, but granted, I wasn't really paying attention to Shadowbringers like pre-launch, so maybe I'm wrong and they just reveal everything. But it between the facts that They've said that unlike with the previous expansions, the end of the story will be there at launch. So for perspective, like Shadowbringers, you had a conclusion at 5.0, but the actual Shadowbringers itself story wasn't concluded until 5.3. And then 5.4 and 5.5 were just like leading into Endwalker. With Endwalker, no. There's like an endpoint. 6.0, once that releases, that's the end of the Endwalker story oh, day okay. and date. Cool. Yeah. So, so the fact they're saying that and they're already showing off so many areas and I wonder if there might be one or two more fields than there usually is for expansions. I don't know. And then the only, the only other thing that I, I recalled from, you know, just seeing people talk about what was going on was, you know, Final Fantasy fans will be, you know, uh, 
probably familiar with the Magus sisters, and it seems they're they're coming into this expansion. Well, that makes sense considering um so much of N Walker is very clearly the Final Fantasy IV expansion. I mean, the main class for the Warrior of Light this time is a paladin. Your best bro, your uh, dragoon friend Astinian is coming with you to the moon, and there's rabbits there. I mean, I, I have like little to no takeaway when it comes to Final Fantasy fourteen, but I was just thinking then, because we're talking about some of the same stuff when it was revealed, it feels like so long ago it was revealed. Like I'm thinking back, that was that was just February, because that's when Werewolf came out. So like it is it is crazy just how fast time has gone. Which is irrelevant, but <laughs> Yeah, in February, in February that's when they revealed the expansion, talked about the level cap, the sage healer that uh James alluded to earlier and all that stuff. So this was info drop two. And then uh obviously you'll get a, a little bit more information from the live letter as well. Yep. So yeah, that'll be tonight. Obviously, we won't be talking about it now because uh but uh, next week, probably at least a little bit of information to talk about with 14 and whatnot. So look forward to it. And also in Square Enix announcements, well, more of an announcement of an announcement. We did learn that later this month on May 26th, we are going to get a live stream for the Dragon Quest series celebrating its 35th anniversary. So obviously the hype would be for a potential Dragon Quest 12. I know Adam might be hoping for that Dragon Quest Monsters game that they teased a while back. Uh, but who knows? So we'll look forward to that in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's, All- a, uh, it's also pretty significant because like this is the first time in like Dragon Quest history that like it'll be live interpreted in, in English. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a global, yeah. a global thing rather than uh, being you know, staggered, like Dragon Quest has been up until this point. Yeah, so it's very worldwide-facing, so that's very, um, I don't know, it's it's very exciting. Uh, it's going to be like a, a two-part event where part one is like currently, like, you know, all the Dragon Quest things that are out now, like most of them are in Japan, like Dragon Quest Ten, which is MMO, Dragon Quest Walk, which is kind of like a Pokemon Go-esque mobile app, then you have all the other mobile games like Tact of the Stars, Ma Rivals Ace, and whatnot. Uh, personally, I, in my own little space, because I've been following the Dragon Quest: The Adventure of Die new TV anime series, I hope they uh, reveal new details for the new console game coming to, or the new Adventure of Die uh, console game. Oh but, yeah, yeah. That's that's personally very exciting for me. Like that that TV series is like one of my favorites going on at the moment. It's very very exciting, and when new episodes come out, um, I think Brian was looking forward to it as well, if I remember. I, I I remember the I was pretty excited by the initial launch trailer from a year ago now. It's been a while. But yeah. It's so much more impactful if you know what's going on in that. Oh, it's so good. I'm so, I'm even, <laughs> ah. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of people far and wide though are hoping and praying that they'll announce Dragon Quest twelve in this uh in this upcoming stream. And you know, of course, like Dragon Quest has been hit like Dragon Quest XI was freaking amazing, and if they can somehow either match that or surpass that, and somehow, somehow, if like if the stars align and they announce it to be like a global, simultaneous, worldwide release, then that'd just be 
insane. Or they'll troll us and give us 10 MMOs. That'd be awesome too, because Dragon Quest X, is, I hear so many good things about Dragon Quest X, but it's probably not that if they're already just uh, like, the, the way that this stream is structured is they're going to provide news for whatever's out now, and then the, the late, and then the ver the last part of it is like the newest thing that's coming to Dragon Quest. So it's going to be a brand new thing. But you know what? Also, Global will be pretty good. Well, we've got uh, Sega making an, a pushing effort to be like Fantasy Star and Yakuza are in global products now. Uh, hopefully Atlas catches up. <laughs> and uh, if Dragon Quest is also coming around to that, I mean, yeah, it's great. What a time to live. Yeah, it's been like, pretty good lately. Like when you think about like Saga Frontier came out simultaneous worldwide, Nier came out simultaneous worldwide for the 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 replicant at least. The Automata was like two weeks after, but uh, it's like you imported the game. It has like a whole yeah, but, audio there. Yeah, I was gonna say like it, it was total. They could have had that day and date. They just yeah. didn't for whatever you know, reason. Uh, obviously, a lot more Japanese companies are. The, when you think about their future plans, they're really trying to push for global simultaneous now, I think. Also, also in Square Enix news, we've got two different bits of information concerning the upcoming Neo The World Ends With You, also a summer release coming out yeah, in just two months. So uh, we got the opening movie for it, which is basically just another two minutes of Greenix flexing, only in it's a different so style good. this time. It's so so good. I, I've watched it yeah. at least four times uh, now. I love the music, I love the graphics. Like <laughs> another global simultaneous worldwide launch, as we were mentioning earlier, Square Enix. But yeah, and then there was also another uh, another info dump where they talked a little bit about uh, some of the fashion, some of the the food items, the pins, a few more characters, uh, turf war mechanic. So, Adam, without me just dealing, digging through the actual like marketing language here, was there any like major highlight about what they showed here that you think is worth uh, championing? Um, it seems like it has a lot of uh, carryover from the first game in terms of like the food effects, the fashion that you can do that affects your stats, and and things like that. One thing that I found was maybe a little bit more interesting. First of all, I don't. They they explain that there's this turf war mechanic and that there's like these different teams now, uh, that you're vying for control and you claim locations. But I don't, you know, without having played the game, I don't know exactly how that like what you actually do, like what that accomplishes. But there's some mechanic where you're like actually claiming sections of the city now um, against like other teams. So that's new. And then there's also it also mentions this uh, this ability that um rindo's friend what's his name frey has fret, or fret, fret. Yeah, where fret. he has this his his ability is called remind where he can jog mm. people's memories to have them remember things uh yeah i, I thought i saw this, this i bet george noted this is that a kingdom Hearts Fret's ability is called remind and if you watch the trailer four times remind appears <laughs> behind fret and the word dive appears behind the other girl whose name i forget <laughs> remind and dive yeah Sounds like Kingdom I Hearts the... But uh, anyways, um, there's like a mini game that you put a memory back together um, with this character. So, you know, that's a little different. The, the original game didn't really have like mini games with your partners with like a unique ability. I mean, they had like unique kind of combat styles, but now they have this sort of other mini game ability, I guess. We'll see. 
but yeah, just more information on people who, for, for, for the people who love to like really like absolutely have to know everything they possibly can about the game before it releases. Uh, they released a bunch more details on like all those things. Yeah, still looks really good. What else can we say, you know? This looks really good. It is the only remaining game of this year besides Psychonauts has me like literally like giddy with excitement. I'm I'm so excited for Neo. Well, what what happened to Scarlet uh, Nexus? It's a tornado. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's not squealing. <laughs> like I'm saying, yeah, like, that's, 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 that's not a giddy. That's just that anticipation. That's the that's, lower yeah. on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we we. we <laughs> more hype for the great yeah. Ace Tour. We, we need a George excitement meter for this uh, for his upcoming. I have game. many levels of hype. Too many levels. <laughs> uh, I guess while we're talking about Square Enix, I'll skip ahead. Uh, pre-registration is open for the Western release of Near Reincarnation for anyone who's finished up Replicant and Automata and wants more. So even I, who rarely ever play phone games and has never really played a gotcha game, uh, pre-downloaded this to my iPhone. Um, and I don't know if this is official, but the uh, iOS App Store lists a November release date. I forget exactly what day in November, but November seems says, too like, far away. Uh, it, it seems it's, it feels like a placeholder, but who really knows? Like it feels like it, it, like realistically, like when these things happen for like mobile games, like it feels like it either, it's either coming like in a month or like two. But who knows? Well. It, they did this with Crash Bandicoot on the run. Like they were like, "Oh, oh pre-sign up now," and it was like seven months out until it actually came out. Like it was like, "Oh, get a skin when it comes out." And I was like, "Oh, okay, this will be like two months." But no, it was like nearly a year. Yeah, November sixth is the day that uh, um, the uh, the App Store uh, lists as a potential release date. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if that was actually the the real thing. Because like, man, you're really ramping it up early then, very early. We're still. I just hope they like release it with like enough content. Like I think one of the problems is like when you release it on Globo, it's like two years or a year behind, and everyone already knows what to do from from the Japanese version. Uh, yeah, I, I really wonder if they'll make an effort to catch up because this game is just barely came out in February of this year in Japan. So I mean, there's like there's still not like a crazy gap between them if they're if it were to release fairly soon. And I wonder if they try to catch up or not, but. Who knows? Right now, I think right now in the Japanese version, they're having uh, a collab with uh, Dragon Guard Three, adding Zero to the game, and then I think like a few characters have like some of the sisters' outfits um, in there as well. So, you know, I mean, I'm I've... seeing a lot more Dragon Guard stuff, like fan art and discussion and everything, like just through osmosis, through on Twitter. Just I'm just seeing Dragon Guard a lot recently. A lot of people like renewed interest in that. <laughs> Really, it really makes you think. After playing Replicant, if you play Dragon Guard, it's like, huh, huh. I wonder. Yeah, but I've read about that. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, go- I'm not, I'm not going into the chow territory of like time to pull up the YouTube video explaining everything about Dragon Guard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better than playing Suffering for Dragon Guard. Oh yeah, I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard with Dragon Guard that might actually be a preferable alternative. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just seeing a lot of it. That's all. That's that's it. That's the comment. I I'm I wanna I'm really looking forward to the English dub of uh, reincarnation because you know both near games have had excellent dubs so I'm really interested to see like uh, how, how's that sounding what does the cast look like for that and another upcoming game that has pre-registration open as of this week uh, Boltrend has opened up pre-registration for Atelier Online Alchemists of Bressisil. I hope, I hope I pronounced it right. 
uh, yeah, like yeah. aisle or something. I don't know. Aisle. Uh, so yeah, uh, this, I don't know if this one also doesn't like, I, I, I did not, I, I preloaded the near game. I did not preload this. So I don't know, uh, what it has listed as a potential release date. Uh, it wasn't actually declared in the, uh, press release for the pre-registration. Yeah. The, yeah, so Bolt Red recently released, uh, just this past week, like Ark the Lad R, that mobile game that came out for Ark the Lad, um, and I think I think I mentioned this in a few podcasts back, but that's like in a weird situation where, like that game, like I assume had to come out due to their contract, but like before that game even came out, like I think a, a week ago or something, the the developers for that game were forward forward works, I think, um, uh, announced that they were ending the service of Ark the Lad R in Japan. So now it's in this weird situation where the global version of that game came out, even though the the original game, the the base game, is ending. So I really wonder, like, what does like the the install base looks like for that game? What does the player base look like for that game at the moment? Because like it, it kind of has like an expiration date at the bare minimum, you know, if not sooner. Mm. Really so, who knows? But I, I think Atelier Online is still going in Japan. Um, what what was that gotcha game I was thinking of? I was thinking about like Illusion Connect, where it kind of bombed and it's like home territory and it's like what what does it do for it's still coming audience? out with new content i think it like it, it it came out i think originally in china and then it got and then i think the global version the english version came out first then the japanese version after it that's that's how that came out and i think that's they're still adding content as far as i'm aware i don't know if it bombed necessarily its original version but it's still it's still ongoing in other news this is a sales update for a game that we thought very highly of, at least in general last year. Sakana of Rice and Ruin has shipped 950,000 units worldwide. So just under the million mark, which considering the size of the team and just the publishing history of Marvelous and Exceed, like, is this their most successful game ever? It's, it's uh, up there. 10,000%, yes. <laughs> yeah, so... I, the last time we talked, I think the last time we had a sales update of this game, I was like, I need to play this. <laughs> I guess where I, I'm still, I'm still at that point where I, I kind of want to play this. This was, uh, I think, one of Adam's favorite games of last year. It, it made was it into my our favorite top game 10. Of last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so uh, that's remarkable. You know, I this easily, easily you know, surpassed one million. It's for sure. I can't, I can't even imagine how overjoyed the developers are. It's well deserved. And I think yeah, it was like it's like two developers and one person on the soundtrack, so it's like a team of three, maybe four. It's a very small team, yeah. so and, and the fact I that think, they see this level of success is just awesome. It's really like cool when you think about like the the development history and stories that came out of that game, where like you know Nintendo was so impressed with like what they showed off that like they reached out to them. It's like, hey, they know bring this to the Switch, and like it took like quite a bit of convincing to like you know get them to agree like you know to bring that game on the Switch, but ultimately it definitely definitely paid off in spades because you know i imagine most of the sales for this game is that switch version yeah switch version probably helped push it over the edge to, to do that so no uh, all, all, all the best you know well deserved uh, I'm yeah very, very cool about this all right i have no idea how to introduce this next topic maybe this is something adam can explain so uh, over the last month, we have kind of been going over a bunch of different companies' financials. We had a big podcast on Nintendo. Uh, we talked about cyber, uh, 
CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, the, I think the week before and like late March. Uh, this this week, it's Sega's turn. Uh, we talked a little bit about them with uh, Yakuza following off the heels of the Lost Judgment announcement. And within their fiscal year financials, they keep mentioning something called a super game. Just like that. Adam, mm-hmm. what what do we know of or what do you think about Sega's super game? This capitalized by capital S, capital G, super game. Yeah, so I, I, I like to like just kind of sift through these financial reports and I don't like get deep into them, but just try to get like a cursory overview of like, oh, okay, so there's, here's the things that they say did well or what they're specifically mentioning. Like for example, Marvelous said their most two successful games last year are Story of Seasons and Sakuna Rice and Ruin. And the, the game next year that they're really focused on is Rune Factory 5. So that kind of gives you a clue and like, okay, so this is what Marvelous is focusing on now. Um, but like for Sega, they being a new fiscal year, a lot of these companies they go over you know their goals for the upcoming year, and a lot of companies also do like a longer term, like looking further ahead than just the the the, the coming year. They call it like the medium term plan. And Sega's like upcoming goals, some of the ones you probably have heard about are things like you know more global releases. We're seeing that with Lost Judgment, more remasters and remakes. We're seeing that with like uh, SMP Nocturne. And so, like, that's their sort of, like, near-future, near-term goals. But also, for the long-term, they introduced the idea of Super Game. And it, it, it kind of stuck out to me because they just keep mentioning Super Game in, like, this formal press release. And it seems kind of silly that that's just how they're referring to it as Super Game. And what it is, from what we can tell, is that it is at least based off of a, like, a first-person shooter-type game from a European developer. I don't know if that is the super game or or like the the, the what leads the to conduit? it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a game that's in development. I um oh, I'll, get okay. to, I'll get to that more in a minute. But like that is going to their goal for it is for it to be to basically surpass 100 billion yen lifetime sales, which is a lot. And they even project out to like 2030 that this is going to be like literally like at least 33% of their earnings is on this one game. Um, obviously, that's projecting out like 10 years. So it's like, that's huge. Like, this is a super game. Um, they mentioned that it's going to like, like they mentioned that it's going to like incorporate IP and um, things like that. What people are sort of assuming that it might be sort of like is something like Sega's Fortnite or something like that. Yeah, um, ah, that's good. So, you know, some sort of live service multiplayer you know, almost more like a platform rather than a game. You know, you can argue, or at least I know Tim Sweeney would argue that Fortnite is more than a game. Um, super game, right? But yeah, this is like what Sega's long-term plan is. Is I guess, you know, when you think about it, like Sega doesn't have like a huge, huge franchise. Like Sonic is probably their closest. But like when we're talking about like comparing with things like Monster Hunter or something like that, or even Capcom or... Uh, anyways, they just don't have like a gigantic franchise. They have a lot of big ones, but nothing on that scale. So maybe this is their way of trying to get some sort of like really big money making, you know, earner that base that uses their IP in some way. And we'll see how that turns out. It, it's just kind of interesting because it's it kind of shows us what Sega is one of the things they're focusing on in the next several years. Now, 
Creative Assembly, who is the team behind the Total War series, uh, obviously Total War is one of Sega's most profitable series too, but they have already announced that they're making a sci-fi shooter, and it's been in development for like four years. So there's, you know, there's speculation, is this the super game, or maybe this will somehow lead into the super game, because Creative Assembly is based in UK, so they would fit the profile they mentioned. Um, but yeah, that's... Sega is doing some, they have some shooting for the moon project here that has a long, you know, a long tail. It'll be a while before you really see it. But that's one of their goals going forward alongside the, you know, global releases of their existing franchises and remasters and all that. So the only I, can't, I, I can't wait to uh, to shoot Sonic as Joker in a sci-fi shooter <laughs> yeah. in 2030. <laughs> Sakura Kakume 2 is the first person too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the only way to be sure is for us to like ask for like a, a creative assembly tour of their studio and then like look around like looking for super <laughs> of the monitors. The you know, but I hope I hope that just ends up being the title, just, oh. just super game. It sounds like they're trying to make like their own yeah Fortnite, Fortnite Destiny. Like, I think that's I think that's sort of kind of what they're shooting for. Roblox right, maybe. sounds like a bad idea. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> <gonna> say it. <laughs> hey. everyone. everyone Everyone has like their own you... version of what a super game is in their heads. If you were to pick like a uh, quick three like bullets of what a super game should have, what would it be? It's gonna be multiplayer, obviously. Maybe I mean, that's easy. Yeah. I shouldn't say like this easy stuff. Uh, well, obviously it okay. has to have a battle right. pass. One bullet point: super game battle pass. Cool um, skins. Cool skin. Loot boxes. All right. This all sounds good. awful. <laughs> this doesn't sound good. <laughs> And it's going to be sold. On, it's going to be sold exclusively. It's going to be sold exclusively on the Sega online storefront. All right. <laughs> it's going to have some sort of like physical analog, whether it's like Poise of Life or cards or like it's something oh, like that. Geez. Something you can buy at like Walmart checkout counters. Actually, Poise of Life still a thing? No. Uh, amiibo or so around. I think I think kind of. I, I was talking to about this Adam. We were talking. Um, we were uh, discussing like this whole Sega financials the, uh, that they were. You know, they shared. Like, I was wondering, did they mention at all anything about their Fog Gaming initiative? Because, nope. yeah, back then, like a few months back, when the a Famitsu journalist or a journalist that submitted like a column to Famitsu, uh, said he was talking about the the concept of Fog Gaming that Sega was cooking up, and it's also some sort of cloud gaming solution for Japanese arcades. I'm just, I'm like wondering where where is that right now? Is that still very early? And like, I would I would assume that like this would be the place where they would at least mention it anywhere, you know. But it's very interesting to me that like they didn't mention any sort of like what what the state of their fog gaming initiative is is like. But they, they did another uh, fun thing about this whole thing though is they uh, there's a slide on it called utilization of IP assets. And um, they're basically listing down like se series of like the of their I some IPs that they have like active IP versus uh, past IP. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. IPs, and like they 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 were they were gonna utilize these in like like three different categories. They're either gonna get a remaster, which is uh, they define as converting past titles to HD animations, a re or or a remake which is significant addition of new features while maintaining gameplay of the original game, or reboot, which is reconstruct a new game while maintaining the look and feel of the world of the, of the IP. Obviously, some active IPs that they mention, uh, that, you know, the obvious ones, Yakuza. Jet Set Radio! 
Okay. All right. Fantasy stars. Yeah. I don't know why they call Sonic an active IP, but I guess, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know this has to be pretty big that they have all these, like, really big franchises, and it's not even considered their super game. Persona 5, not their super game. Yeah, I mean, the, like, the, if you think about it, Persona evolves. It's like, you know, it's it, it sells well. It's not, like, penetrating the mainstream, like, Final Fantasy, you know. Like, I, I would still I mean, call Persona relatively niche. Like, yeah, I mean, like for a super game like comparisons, like I'm sort of calling like Monster Hunter games. I mean, they don't really have like World would be the closest. And just think of it this way: Monster Hunter World has outsold the entire Persona franchise. So yeah. that's kind of the thing you're talking about is like we're trying to get something that's like much bigger than just Persona. Right. Okay, but might incorporate Persona. No, I, I forget if you mentioned this, but the, the the forecast is that their super game and they wanted to sell more than sonic fantasy star persona yakuza total war combined they oh like well oh they have this graph and you know the graph i don't know how seriously you're supposed to like pixel count like the colors on the graph but they show like by 2030 the super game that it's its component of the earnings is basically just as big as this other section of the earnings graph which includes sonic persona yakuza uh fantasy star online 2 and what was the other one total war like it's that's like what, according like, to this graph, that's gonna be well basically about the same as all of those combined in terms of this earnings. is absolutely putting all your eggs in one basket. And I just like <laughs> I, I like a lot of what like say their IPs and stuff, but none of their like not even all their IPs combined seem like they could reach like this level where it's like that. Like even if you have something like Fortnite where it's like a platform, it just I like I just don't see it going well. I'd love it to like. I just think it's they're just chasing a trend, you know? It's like Sakura Kakume. It's like, oh yeah, we see how big FGO is, so we're gonna chase after that trend and, and make a ton of money this just is, like they not quite and, the, uh, I feel like it's not quite that. the same, but what my mind keeps going to is how Amazon is like insistent on having an MMO. Like they <laughs> like like which they're they're like chasing after WoW and Final Fantasy and maybe to a lesser extent like Elder Scrolls Online. And like we want a piece of that pie. Let's just create like one of the most difficult genres to like get off the ground first. Yeah. And at least <laughs> at least Sega has is like well established and Amazon isn't in terms of gaming. But it just seems yeah, like oh because Amazon has a big bank of money in case if the product fails. All right. And it also just reminds me of like remember remember the uh, battle royale that Ubisoft like championed last year hyperscape and then it just like yeah. it just did like nothing it's like what's what if super game just does that where it just like no one gives a shit <laughs> like i don't right. know i think so they're speaking on like hyperscape was a new ip where i think the super game they're very vague and maybe they, they'll explain more in like an investor call i'm not sure um or like in the you know the yearly shareholders meeting or whatever but it seems like the super game will somehow incorporate like their IP. So like I think there's gonna be like a crossover element to it. Like you can play as Sonic or Joker or or mm -hmm. Kiryu or something, you know, to try to get like those fan bases on board compared to Hyperscape, which is sort of like completely new, I think. So yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like this is going to work, but I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's go over some of the the examples of past IP groups or dorm including dormant IPs. And then you tell me, should they get a remaster, a remake, or a reboot? Ooh. All right? Okay. Good. Crazy Taxi. Reboot. Uh, remaster. Leave it. Leave it. Oh, <laughs> oh, holy shit. Jet Set Radio. Reboot, reboot, reboot. Reboot. Space Channel idea. 5. Leave it. I don't know what Leave that it. is. Dang, wow. Holy shit. 
podcast. Well, that's funny because Space Channel Five is the one here that's had oh, the most recent release. Technically, yeah. I, I don't know why they have Space Channel Five and Streets of Rage right here because they both got re, like new entries like last year. Yeah, that was like yeah, but it was like handled under like a different company though. So who knows? I also oh, don't yeah, know, yeah. I also don't know why they segregated Megami Tensei and Active IP and Soul Hackers and Dormant IP or Past IP. That's a is weird because it's like it's a sub part sub series of Devil Summoner, right? And that's yeah. part of it. Like yeah, yeah. why do they put Soul Hackers there but not like Digital no Devil Saga or Devil Survivor? It just seems like a weird thing to like slot in there. All right, Shinobi. Mm. Uh, remake. Bring it okay, back. Okay. Bring it back. Remaster, remake, or reboot? Reboot. Reboot. Oh, okay. Reboot. Altered Beast. Reboot. Yeah. Re. Like, I've never Beast, but is it any good? It's so simple. It's like it's barely a thing. It's you know, like it's an idea more than anything else at this point. So like. I All I remember that game is like a scrolling game. Yeah, where you just yeah, keep yeah, yeah. People in the face. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> So I want to play that game as it was. Just remaster it. Remaster. Okay. All right. <laughs> Panzer Dragoon. Oh yeah. Well, remake. Already, already remake. I mean, yeah. it, it just <laughs> got a remake. <laughs> got a remake saga. Oh, nice. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it. That Valen. Valen Wonderworld. Yeah. 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 They're crazy. I I think the the weird omissions here that they that they're very. I don't know where it is now, but they the, the two that stick out of my mind are Soccer Wars isn't here and Valkyria isn't here at all. No mention. Like uh they are not even even under active IP, you know. So who knows? Do, they're both I in the wonder if like obviously the, the biggest one there for like I imagine most people would be Jet Set Radio, but they've got that bomb rush cyberfunk that is like a spiritual successor and you know, like if that does well i don't think you need a jet set radio i think that that's something they could have done years ago and it would have done well but yeah don't look at me sega you could have i would have bought it a lot of people in our sphere of course as well they see that skies of arcadia which you know it's only one game with a re-release so it's, it's barely a franchise but like that's not mentioned at all either so yeah yeah i don't know who, who knows what the future is for like because like you know if you, if you talk to like the japanese audience like that it like a, a few years back sega had like a poll of like what are series that you would like sega to like revitalize or a new entry you know soccer wars is easily the top sonic one. the hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not even, but yeah so uh, who knows who knows I, i'm really just to see like where like what what they decide to bring back Sega has such a lot for Skies of Arcadia, I know people who have played it probably just want it to like a sequel or follow up or a successor. Or I'm just kind of like who hasn't played it but has always wanted to like just tidy it up, make it clean, remaster it, get it on PC or something or modern consoles. Like just play the GameCube version, reboot it. I mean, yeah, yeah, reboot. Well, I'll re remaster <laughs> it and then reboot. <laughs> like okay, All reboot right. it, leading off with a remaster. There you go. Seven remake. Okay, so we're doing the what are we doing? Like the the trials of mana method. Put in. Yeah, that'll do. By the way, this is kind of off topic, but I was we're thinking we're talking like tangentially about Sonic. It's been a while since we've had like a Sonic game, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, like Sonic like, Mania was 2017. Sonic Forces was 2017. Um, really? Like 
Yeah, it's Fall Forces was recent. Oh my god! No, it's not. The more the most recent game seems to be Team Sonic Racing, which was 2019. That doesn't count. And then there's like the there's the Olympic game with Mario. There's the rumor mongering about the Colors remaster. Yeah, I feel like we'll see hear something soon. Yeah, that doesn't excite me. Like a new Sonic game would be awesome. I would love well, a new Sonic game. People don't want the Sonic game anymore. They want animated Knuckles on the big screen, and that's what they're getting, okay? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there is a movie. There is a, a Netflix series coming. Are they doing the Netflix series? Okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's like a... On Sonic the movie, Dimensions. the game. Uh, Chaos? I don't know. It's, it's, it's about, like, dimension hopping, apparently. That's what the synopsis oh, every, is. Every Sonic game in the last five years got it. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> Super game. Super game. I'm hyped for Super I don't game. Know what the fuck it is, but I'm yeah, hyped. We'll, we'll revisit this uh, if we're still alive. It's already a skip. It's I'm already feeling about sure. it. George Hype. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two more bit pieces of news. One small, one bit bigger. Uh, a game that we talked about quite a bit earlier this year, Nozia, which released on Switch is coming to PC later this year, sometime in 2021. They had a PC like announcement trailer, but it just basically just says Nozia on Steam. And that's kind of it. Like no date, no no window as far as I can tell. But yeah, uh, really cool. Uh, I know that the people who played it, including George and not George, <laughs> Colin and Josh have thought really highly of it. So now it'll also be available on, at some yeah. point. It'll be $24.99. It's going to release this year. Well, well worth it. It's yeah. still my favorite game this year. Yeah, hands down. So I I really hope that, you know, a lot of people give it a try. And, you know, it's it's so good. I love it to pieces. And the last bit of news on here is more information about the upcoming, not yet announced for localization, Kuro no Kaseki. So when this game was first revealed a bit back, we were kind of teased about like the unrevealed characters. Like all we knew were their ages and maybe their genders. I forget. Uh, and two of them were revealed just last week in, was it Famitsu magazine? Yeah. Or no, no, I guess it was, yeah, it was published yeah. in Famitsu, but directly from Falcom. Uh, the two characters are one of them. Go ahead, James. One of them is a maid, which, uh, uh, but there is a robot dog, so who's to say if it's bad <laughs> yeah. or not? So one of the characters is Reset Twinnings. That's the maid. So a uh, 20-year-old uses a pistol and a blade gear. So despite her graceful appearance, she has superhuman strength, speed, and combat capabilities. So uh, what's that character from... Uh, Sakura from uh, Naruto. <laughs> she's, she's like the other maid. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Adam, what's that anime that uh, had like the OVA about the the maid assassin? Oh, Black Lagoon. Yeah. Oh, what's Roberta. that character's name? Roberta. Roberta. Yeah. So it's like that's that's who I think of, even though I guess I my memory sucks and I forgot her name. <laughs> but yeah. So just like Sharon, basically. So like a maid assassin, superhuman girl, and then the other character is Katra Salisian, who is an aged fifteen-year-old, uh, basically genius it seems like works underneath uh, a professor that took him in and adopted him he's got the robot dog uh he's taken a master's course to learn and focus on making orbital drones so kind of like the tech 
kind of tech kid archetype sort of thing. Katra, because I think Gundam, Gundam Wing. Wing. Every time I look at his name, I'm like, that's that's a yeah, good Katra. <laughs> and then like the, I just love that character for his haircut. That that one side. Like, it is so funny. The, the, the dog looks like Blade Wolf from Metal Gear Rising. It's like, yeah, that's Blade Wolf. All, all it really needs is the is the chainsaw tail, and then you're good to go. But I, yeah, sure, I guess. I mean. These are, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this game, to be honest, because I just like, eh. I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah. Learn, learning the bits and pieces about characters. And also we got some locations. We learned about the capital Langport and the industrial city, Basil, Basil. Like, this is all well and good, but like the more exciting thing about this game is what's already been announced. Like the, the action focus, the being, the being able to switch from action to turn based on the fly. Like the more frameworky stuff, I think, yeah. is what's exciting about this. And the fact that in general, it's kind of like, it's not. It's still the same continuity, but it's it's going to be similar to Cold Steel One or uh, I guess Zero, where it's a different different cast, different location. I'm guessing that within a within an entry or two, it'll it'll thread back right into the um the overarching narrative. So as an aside, I'm excited to play the fan translation of Trails to Azure, hopefully soon, and then Cold Steel Four, and then and then, and then first we're gonna just play I, I think yeah, tap, tap my toes for Hajimari. I think the weird part about like the the new stuff they shared for Kuro no Kiseki is like you have this new Zypha or Zypha system and like this is where you place your new orbit slots in and they're like it's a very like it looks like a wallet to me almost but it's also you can like talk to this thing like it has a voice so like whatever you like think about like past trails games and like uh, the devices you use to like slide in orbs now they can you can talk to it now it's, it's like, a Pokédex yeah yeah <laughs> Well, all right, Dex. sure. Why not? It, the, but you know, they all have like you know, it, it it looks very similar to what you may have seen in past Trails games in concept. Yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to dial in to like the details, uh, Gamatsu actually did a nice translation of everything that was shown. Like, there's different line, like you know how the original Trails in the Sky games and then the um, Crossbow games, like what you slot in each line determines what spells you can cast, and they eventually kind of got rid of that. In the uh, in the later games, or they they they, they kind of narrowed it down a bit. Where here you have a weapon line where it affects attack functions, a shield line, a drive line. So there, it seems like they're kind of making it. They're 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 changing up how the ornaments work again. And it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more involved than it was in like the cold steel cold steel series, where it was ending up ended up being pretty know. simple. It, it's a lot of systems that I don't think I wanted a super game. I think that's too complicated. <laughs> wins wins Falcom super, super game. game. Mm-hmm. Not far off enough. Obviously, send no Kiseki three <laughs> online. Oh shit! You're right. We have a mobile game has gotcha system now. That's like in China, right? There, the China's been a uh, Chinese developers making a, <laughs> a Trails of Cold Steel three gotcha game. Uh, that's uh, that seems weird. I mean, that, that must be like a, a gotcha game based on the IP. I can say like that makes sense, but like it's based on a specific title. It's based on just Cold Steel three. Yeah, I, I mean, mean is that is that really any different from Issa uh, Six Online? There's already uh, there's already uh, the other one, right? I think I think they also made a Trails in the Sky Online game too, and I think that was like an MMO over in China. I think that the that's something also I remember. Right? You know, right? Yeah, that's more like browser. I think it it, it used mm. to, it, it used to be a browser. It used to be on browser, then it got like a mobile oh. phone port. So yeah. 
they introduce like Cold that's Steel a, that, the, yeah that, that, really you're, you're right actually that is Falcom over. Super Game just make a gacha game out of every single Trails game every every individual Trails entry so I know Adam keeps on top of this but at this time last year we had already had the announcement of Cold Steel 4's English release but not of East 9 yet is that how it was correct because East 9 was announced at the first New Game Plus Expo which was in mid-June oh yeah this the summer of not E3 Yep. But so, as yeah. of this year, there is no new announcement on that front. Right. Well, year. I mean, I, I yeah, I imagine I imagine maybe around E3 time or close to it, maybe uh Nice America will that's when we'll hear about a localization of Hajimari. Can't wait for the second summer of not E3, but E3 is also there. <laughs> <laughs> summer of E3. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? The summer oh, game no. mess is coming. Uh, it's like now that E3 has its own thing, it's going to be like worse than last year, but maybe also better. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Everyone go install the E3 app and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, maybe I'll use a fake address. And unless I skipped anything and forgot to go back to it, that covers the news for this week. So a lot of Square Enix, a lot of cool announcements. Some, we spent a ton of time talking about some ongoing betas for some really promising looking games. So I think this is like the most exciting kind of like slate of things to talk about in a while. So this was a fun one. I'm glad we were able to get all six of us here to talk about it. So we'll have to drag Colin by next time at some point. Dragon Quest. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, yeah, we'll be talking about that in just a couple of weeks, depending on what they announced there. That could be another big podcast. Do you think it's going to be the uh, a Dragon Quest Super game? <laughs> yeah, Dragon Quest Twelve will just be Square Enix Super Square Game. Square Enix Super Game. Sick. <laughs> see, I, I would play a Square it's Enix like Super Game for sure. Like that would be cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing. You, you think it'd be like tied to Final Fantasy or something, but no, it's a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> well deserved. I'm really happy with most Square Enix products. I just think people are a little harsh on them just because they make good IPs, you know? That's what I think. Yeah, Square Enix has had a really strong start to the... Uh, well, I'd say, I'd say strong start to the generation, but like the recent success really isn't tied to the generation. It's just they've had a really good couple years. Yeah, really. Especially, really. If, Final Fantasy, yeah, especially if Final Fantasy 16 ends up being not too far off, and we see that sooner rather than later. Oh, it looks so good. I don't know. I, I keep thinking about uh, Child's Comet and I look at Ballad Wonderworld and like. Oh yeah, about yeah. I guess we've got that stain that you you just, just won't wash out. <laughs> I Ballad don't know, Child. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, you, you can make a case for it. I mean, go go buy that game, play through it, and tell me that it's a good Square Enix game. Well, I'll just blame on uh, I'll just blame on Yuji Naka. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Square Enix just tied their name to a to a sinking ship. So, so is that really their fault? Yeah. It, okay. Well, okay. They they named that subsidiary Balan Company. They they risked it all. So, <laughs> I, I actually had a little faith in it because I am a big fan of knights for um for Sex Saturn. So I thought maybe, you know, this was like my knight successor, but it just didn't well, really it's happen. A, it's success right? knights, all right. They're being they're being. <laughs> 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 Anyways, all right, so we have a bunch of features up on the site that we talked about. We have the Famicom Detective Club review, both written and on our YouTube channel, the Pokemon Snap review, the Scarlet Nexus hands-on preview that George wrote, the big uh, release dump for 
Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker, all the other Square Enix news, including the Dragon Quest announcement of an announcement, uh, and then the uh, the two different bits for Neo, The World Ends With You. Everything else we talked about is also on the site. You can visit our Discord channel at discord.com slash RPG site if you want to find like-minded people to talk about anything that we discuss here. You can also visit or follow us on Twitter at RPG site. And we're still poking and messing around with kind of different experimental things on our Instagram page, instagram.com slash RPG site. So we're kind of linking different like review cards there and some like news highlights and new upcoming releases, uh, either on a weekly or monthly basis. Haven't really quite decided yet, but lots of things kind of works in progress. You might have noticed in a couple places that our branding is altered a little bit. It's not completely rolled out yet, but you'll see it on the thumbnail of this podcast. You'll see it in our Discord icon and maybe on our other social channels soon. It's rolling out, so we're happy with it. We think it looks cool. So bringing in a new feedback, generation. With a new you look. Know, we're always open to feedback. If you hate it, yeah. If you, if, if you hate it, uh, let us know and provide an alternative. And for those who are using the Instagram app, it is just the tag is RPG site. And that would get you straight mm-hmm. there. And if you're still on Facebook, for some reason, uh, RPG site net. We're there too. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Until then, take care, stay safe. Talk to you later. Super game.